Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> this episode was recorded several months ago before Alan Rickman passed away. And this is a terrible, terrible loss for us all. This knocked me for six. Bowie, then Rickman. I mean, I didn't even, I, I'm still, I'm, you know, I gotta grieve for both. I, oh, what a week. Expect a Galaxy Quest episode sometime later this year, and a Labyrinth one, for that matter. God, I love those movies so much. Love those men. So, so missed. Anyway, it's in celebration of his work that we're putting out this episode today. A time of war. A time of homecoming. A time of tyrants. A time when the only way to uphold justice was to break the law. He gave the people the courage to fight. Willow. We're, we're going to review Willow at some point as well. The one man who stood for freedom became a legend. Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater, Alan Rickman, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. We are here with Ian and Megan Hopwood. Hello, Ian. Good afternoon. Hello, Megan. Hi. Hello. Whose voices you will, of course, have heard on Tiger's Eye as Liseth the Leopard and Opalai the Tiger. Ian also has a podcast with Lauren Grieve and Laura Kate Dale named A Year of Steam, which is exactly what it sounds like. Tonight we're going to be discussing the 1991 blockbuster Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, which, along with the Disney version people by Anthropomorphic Animals, constitutes my all-time favourite pair of representations of one of Britain's most enduring legends. One of the main reasons Sharon and I love it is that we grew up with it, and this was our benchmark for medieval swashbucklers alongside Willow, the music of which, not coincidentally, was used in the trailer for Prince of Thieves. But that was back in 1991, ten years before the Fellowship of the Ring, and we didn't know any better, or have anything better to compare it to. This film is, and always was, as it turns out, a ridiculously cheesy bumfest, filled with mistakes, inaccuracies, cheats, shortcuts, ridiculously hammy acting, some intentional, some not. And we love it all the more today. So how's it going, guys? Not bad. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. Now, you mentioned uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights uh, just before we started. I, I haven't seen it for a long time. I remember laughing at Robin Hood Men in Tights a lot less than I laugh at this. It's, really? It's a it's a weird situation whereby like certain films which are very very po faced really need lampooning. Like um oh what's a really good example of a film that just that I, okay We've just finished uh, talking about Rambo, and uh, Hot Shots Part Dieu sends up the uh, Rambo 2 and 3, which are actually extremely earnest and don't laugh at themselves at any point, despite being uh, cheesy. Um, and like, But, like, you know the movie movies? 
you know, the, like epic movie and David epic movie, movie yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of the time they take films that are actually really funny, like Pirates of the Caribbean and Hellboy, and just do the same thing, but with well, I say the same thing. They have pe- like crap actors dressed in those costumes and then falling over and farting. And they're usually based on kind of like, you know, have you seen that trailer? Well, what if he fell over and farted? Um, Men in Tights is obviously by the great Mel Brooks considerably better than that. But it's still one of those like comedies where it's like trying to make you laugh. I don't think really Prince of Thieves ever tries to make you laugh. I mean, obviously the sheriff's lines are written particularly witty and Alan Rickman is totally in on the joke. But what makes me laugh over and over again is the earnestness of Kevin Costner, who's most definitely not trying to make you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing with Prince of Men and Tides and is it is so a parody of everything that was kind of messed up. I mean, you know, the classic, unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. Yes. Carrie I mean, Elvis, who, by the way, would have made a great Robin Hood in this. Oh, definitely. He really would have. Mm, but he'd have been in on the joke, unlike uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Costner. And they so clearly the, didn't want that. <laughs> yeah, the one person... I don't even think Kevin Reynolds was in on the joke. <laughs> well, and even Morgan Freeman has that air about him with this movie where he's, he's giving it his all and still managing to make fun of Kevin Costner at the same time. Yeah. He's, uh, I watched some of the uh, interviews uh, just before we started, and it was this guy trying to be, um, what's his name, Charlie, what's his name, Charlie Rose, uh, and, and saying, what is this film all about? And, like, you know, you had Kevin Costner sort of reaching back and forth and going, well, it's about love, it's about loss, it's about, you know, what you, who the person you will fight for. Morgan Freeman gave an incredulous answer, it's about Robin Hood. <laughs> it, he's right. <laughs> It was a ridiculous interview because it's like they weren't really chatting with the people. The interviewer was never pictured. It was just one of those talking heads ones. And mm-hmm. they weren't set, setting them at ease. They were just saying, right, you've just released a pop culture goofball classic. Account for yourselves. Explain why it's good. <laughs> oh, I, I have not watched those. And that sounds almost ter- uh, almost terrible. It's cringe-inducing. There's one point when they say, Alan Rickman, is there a rapport between theatre-trained actors and those who have b- been brought up in film? And it's like, well, I've learned a lot from the people I've worked with, such as Bruce and Kevin and Tom Selleck. And Sharon, <laughs> let's start laughing. We have to check the IMDb through tears of laughter to find out that Alan Rickman had been in uh, the Tom Selleck film Quigley Down Under, which he which is, obviously would have learned oh. the time. Which is actually another movie, much like Prince of Thieves, that I love despite its complete and total silliness. I've got and to see Al- it. <laughs> and Alan Rickman playing a Australian cowboy. Is he a bad Australian cowboy? He is the bad guy. Nice. It was in that perfect trilogy. It's kind of that trilogy. It's Hans Gruber, you know. Quigley Down Under, and this. And they all came out relatively close to one another. Yeah. I think Quigley was 1990? Let's find out, shall we? Quigley Down Under. Oh, was there another Quigley film before this? It was. Quigley yeah, created no, it was... for the film Quigley Down Under. No, it was um, It was supposed to be for... Um... Magnum P.I.? No. What? Uh, okay, right. You're either going to say Magnum P.I. or Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> 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 No. It was supposed to be for... Steve McQueen. Ah, oh, but he died. 
Hang on a minute. I may have misread that. Are you sure? Look at that It was moustache. 1990 because it was just before it did um, Truly Madly Deep. That is a truly awesome moustache. It's like a push broom. Okay, anyway, so back to what <laughs> Prince of Thieves. I'm totally going to get that. Um, oh, my gosh. That is a great moustache. It is. Right, okay. So uh, let's take you through the whole film. If you've never seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, folks, you're in for a treat. I don't know whether to say watch it first, then come back to us. Or listen to us, then go watch it. Because like we've been like doing We Hate Movies a lot recently. I mean, we've been doing it for years since we discovered them. But like Sharon and I don't. There's never a, a perfect order. Like sometimes the films, it's best if you watch the film first, so that then you can completely get what they're talking about. And sometimes it's best if you listen to them first, so that when you see the film, the film is thus more hilarious. But in this case. I kind of think listen to us first because you'll be looking out for all this stuff once you watch it. Yeah. Um, something, a bit of trivia I just found out. Um, Carrie, uh, Carrie Ewells was offered the role of Robin Hood for this movie but turned it down. Oh, God. <laughs> and he just done The Princess Bride as well. Yeah. Why did he turn it down? Uh, it doesn't say. Oh, he thought Please don't tell too- me it was because he was filming for uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He might have No. Been. Apparently he turned it down because he oh, thought the too. plot was too convoluted. It's not that convoluted. It's just the Robin Hood story, isn't it? Yeah, the plot's too convoluted for me to understand. <laughs> what? Anyway. So, uh, begins with what looks like the Bayou Tapestry, but probably isn't because it's very, very bright and uh, and shiny, especially if you're watching on Blu-ray. And, and it actually, I've got to recommend the HD version of this because the colors really pop. And uh, as I recall, the DVD version is really grainy and horrible looking. I'm assuming you guys watched on DVD. We did. We, we did. We have the letterbox version. We don't have a widescreen. Gotcha. And it was it was kind of terrible. It was so, so like oh, and, it, um, and not anamorphically justified, like a little square in the middle of the screen. Yeah. Oh, oh. it was also an older DVD, so we had to flip it halfway through. Oh, <laughs> oh god, it's giving me hives. Okay, well I can recommend two reasons the Blu-ray. One is that it's it looks gorgeous now, which is for the first time in my life I got to finally watch it looking gorgeous, because the original, I never saw it in the cinema, even though I begged my father to take me. I uh, The VHS copy that I uh, got from Blockbuster was terrible, and uh, the DVD was terrible. So basically, this is the first time in my life I've been able to watch it and go, this is incredible. Because the version on TV would have been terrible as well. Um, and the other reason is that it's the director's cut, which I originally didn't like, but then when I watched it again and I, with a better understanding of story structure, realized that there's certain things that they're setting up, some of which are very superfluous, some of which kind of give a little more depth to it. It's not necessarily a better film, but if you're a fan of the film, there's like, there's ah bits in there. I honestly didn't even know they'd done a director's cut. Oh, yeah. So I will. I might have to keep an eye open for that. It's quite long with the director. It's like two and a half hours, all told. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, so you get the Bayou-looking tapestry and the theme. It, it totally is the Bayou tapestry, it by is? the way. I just checked it out. Yeah. Oh, they cleaned it up. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's the Bayou Well, it, it'll be a replica, I would imagine. Oh. But it depicts the Normans invading England. Which has nothing to do with this film. Well, it, it kind of reminded me of that bit in Galaxy Quest where uh, Alan Rickman is introduced and he says, give him a big hand, he's British. And it's kind of like, <laughs> look at Britain, it's got all that history. And uh, yeah, the uh, the Bayou Tapestry, of course, like major part of that. So let's just uh, double check what year this is supposed to take place in. 
Um, well, it came out in 91, and it says 800 years ago in the intro. It's 1194. 1194. Okay. So, oh, by the way, is anyone one of the s- first things mentioned in the gaff list, interestingly enough. And it was. Did they say, what is the gaff list? Oh, actually, no. Sharon, you've got to read that before we carry on. Are we, oh, are we starting with Yeah, no, we're going okay. to start with that. Um, but before we carry on, I, I will just say, has anyone actually ever seen the Russell Crowe, Ridley Scott, Robin Hood? Yes. Do you like it? Um, it was Ridley Scott. It was Ridley Scott Russell Crowe movie. It was yeah. <laughs> Anything you have to start with um, it's probably not going to be brilliant. It, it, I like. I didn't so think it was for me. terrible, but I didn't particularly think it was. Uh, this is again, Prince of Thieves is probably my high point for it, mm. and at the very bottom is the Russell Crowe Ridley Scott one. Nice. There have, of course, been other versions of it, which we'll mention throughout this uh, uh, this podcast. But uh, yeah, they both this the, sorry the, the the Russell Crowe one and do you remember, do you remember the Clive Owen version of King Arthur? Mm. He, he was a Roman centurion, Arturius. Oh yes, both perfect examples of this is what might actually have happened. Well, you sure suck the fun out of that legend. Like, like situations of like adding realism, not necessarily good in this scenario. He's better as a legend. We've spent the last two thousand years mythologizing this. Will you leave it alone? Well, it's good to like have a version of King Arthur that's really, really serious, so that we can go. Let's not do that again. Um, But (laughs) but I was saying this to Sharon the other day when we were talking about the Sword and the Stone. Sword and the Stone's maybe the best King Arthur film. I can't stand Excalibur, and there's like nothing else. That's any good at all. It's just nothing. How could they, like, in the history of film, no one's ever been able to get one of the oldest legends and turn it into a great movie. Are you telling me that First Night starring Richard Gere is not a great movie? <laughs> yes, I am, Sharon. The only really great King Arthur film is Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail. Of course it's a good idea. Yeah. <sighs> Now, is, so yeah. I, I, last I heard, Disney were doing both Robin Hood and uh, King Arthur like pirates style. So there is hope that they might make them fun. They seem to be going back and doing live actions of just about all of their old. Yeah. Oh, hang old on a second! Movie. If it's a live action, will 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 Robin Hood be a fox? <gasps> <laughs> I can only hope. Because otherwise, it wouldn't be historically accurate. If, if no. they need a fox, a bear, a snake, and a lion all on stage at the same time, somebody's getting eaten. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, right. On the topic of other Robin Hood things, though, the BBC adaptation of Robin Hood, um, I actually, both Megan and I really enjoyed up right. to season three. All right. And no, what happens no, in season three? The... Or, or is well, it end of season two? The end of season two, they, uh, they, they kill off a major character that really probably should not have been killed off and it kind of ruined the whole whimsical fun of the show they red but wedding it as your um, lord of the rings yes. hobbits fans uh-huh. um richard armitage plays guy of gisborne in the show Does oh god yes off? this was on my list to watch i have it bookmarked and he's on Netflix. so pretty Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is, and he gets his shirt yes, off. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. He I think does. That's sold for Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, th- th- we will watch that then. Uh, so, so we watch it to the end of season two, and then stop just before which episode? 
Like the last two episodes, okay. just you know, and then just go the end. Yes, old yeah, and, they've had I mean, you, can, you can watch all the way to the end of season two and go, oh yes, I see why this show the show just turned absolute shit and and oh. don't keep going. Right. Well, <laughs> good. Okay. We've been doing that a lot lately. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's just like everything else. Just mm. stop. Okay. What Sharon's got for us is a gaff list that I haven't heard yet. So you're going to have to just read through these. Any that uh, are on my list that uh, you read, I will cross off. But mm. basically. I've, you know, we've just gone through the movie, and I've just noted down a litany of um, mistakes. But this isn't really like a sort of everything wrong with Robin Hood, because I kind of love that all of these things are so wrong. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's gleefully, kind of no one will notice. Yeah, it's kind of an everything wrong and yet. Yeah, it's like, as I was describing the uh, the Star Wars prequels, everything is wrong with those things. Everything. And it's a joyless chore to watch them. It's a horrible grind. But with this, it's, it's not that everything's wrong. There's just loads and loads of mistakes. But everything's kind of just still hilarious fun no matter what. For me, at least. And th- mm. see, here's the interesting thing. We're doing this especially because when I said on, on Twitter, who else likes Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? We got you guys and Neil saying yes. Everyone else was like, eh, at best. <laughs> It's like, okay, right, so so you guys are all wrong, and here's why. <laughs> okay, so Sharon, uh, fire away. Right, okay. Um, this is an article that was um, from the Guardian website. It was uh, first printed in 2009, and it's by Alex von Tunselman, mm-hmm. who gives the film a D-plus for entertainment and a fail for history. Um <laughs> So, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm basically just going to read through the article and obviously, Alex, if it gets long-winded at any yeah, point, sure, you sure. can snip bits. Just read Okay. Back. Robin Hood is a legendary English outlaw, usually dated to the reign of Richard I or John in the late 12th or early 13th century. The gaffes start with the very first title card, which states that Richard the Lionheart led the Third Crusade to reclaim the Holy Land from the Turks. He'd have been a bit late. The Turks left a whole century earlier. By 1194, when this film is set, the Holy Land was under the control of the Saracens. Before you know it, Robin of Loxley has escaped a Turkish, or possibly Saracen, jail, uh, along with improbable Moorish sidekick Azim. They arrive back at Dover, where Robin cheerfully proclaims that it will take them until nightfall to walk to his father's castle. Even if you had a car... Dover to Loxley would take you five hours. Robin and Azim only have feet. And worse still, Robin takes the scenic route via Hadrian's Wall, a diversion of another 300 miles. Specifically on this one, by the way, it's 300 miles due north. You have to go past Nottingham to get to Hadrian's Wall from Dover. And go, here you go, Azim, this was Hadrian's Wall. Ah, it's very nice. Now let's go back the way we came. (laughs) Absolutely. It's doing a bit of sightseeing. I would know blindfold. I'm five miles from home. Bullshit. (laughs) Indeed. Okay, so uh, from geography, we move on to technology. Scanning the horizon, Azim notices one of the evil sheriff of Nottingham's men in the distance and whips out his telescope to have a closer look. Though the Islamic world was far ahead of Christian civilization in many aspects of science and technology, it wasn't ahead in telescopes, which were invented in the <laughs> Netherlands in 1608. Okay, but Azim is <laughs> so, a very, very, very smart Moor. Well, yes, this is true. Yes. Maybe, they, maybe they came via 
17th century Holland. I don't know. In 1874, um, <laughs> by the way, this is the, the likelihood of surviving a caesarean section was about 15%. That was like, what? Like 700 years later. So, Are you referring to the bit where he delivers Fanny's baby? And, and she the survived. The implication yeah. is that, mm-hmm. right, the fact that she's awake and not screaming her head <laughs> off immediately after that immediately calls bullshit on that thing. <laughs> anyway. But that's only on the subject of Vazim being really, really clever. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so dialogue. Robin biffs off to the forest to lead the outlaws, a bunch of merry men and the occasional woman who keeps shouting words such as bollocks and tosspot. These expressions were not in recorded use until the 18th and 16th century, respectively. But the screenplay is in modern rather than Middle English, so fair enough. I think that the usage of those was really just to emphasise its Englishness. They wanted to use English swearing. Um, I'm more concerned about the fact that little John and Fanny have West Country accents, despite the fact that they're supposed to have been born and raised in Nottinghamshire. But Hello, my lover. <laughs> okay, um, so having bonded over anachronistic swearing, Robin and his band build a sort of Ewok village <laughs> in a bosky glade. It's literally the Ewok village. <laughs> the Ewok <laughs> village. <laughs> the toy of the Ewok village to do the toy of this. Absolutely. And they improved the toy. <laughs> Complete with rope ladders, engineered lifts, mood lighting, canopy-level walkways, and a mosque for a zine. If medieval peasants, with nothing but the natural resources of the forest around them, could build this sort of thing, why did they mostly live in filthy huts made of sticks and manure? Because wattle and daub, it's, it's what's for dinner. Uh, well, indeed. And, and also, more to the point, why were they immediately before and until Robin turned up and showed them how to make rope ladders? You would think somebody could have figured it out by no, that I think point. Azim taught them because he's I was very, very smart. Maybe so, yeah. Obviously not Robin. It must have been Azim. <laughs> Absolutely. Not only did he bring with him telescopes, he brought architecture he's, as he's well. He's the smartest <laughs> guy in the world, basically. Absolutely. Right. Now, this is the one that really made me laugh because this was one of the ones that hadn't really occurred to me. Economics. The sheriff's scribe frets about the costs of, uh, cost of Robin's larceny. We reckon he's nicked three to four million in the last five months, sire. Bearing in mind that the exchequer receipts for all of England in 1194 came to £25,000. <laughs> This is impressive thievery. Even if the scribe is counting in pre-decimalisation pennies, Robin has somehow managed to steal more than the entire Crown revenue for five months, notionally equivalent to around £250 billion today. And put now, it in his treehouse without it collapsing. In his treehouse, yes. Now, admittedly, with Did you bring me here to brag? Yes. Yeah, I totally did. <laughs> now, these are my admittedly, etchings. With that sort of cash, Robin probably could have had as many canopy-level walkways as he wanted, but you'd think people would stop driving money carts through Sherwood Forest after the first billion or so. <laughs> it's the only route to London, you little... It's the only route to London. No, it's not! That's, that's also Where not true. Where are you coming from, if that's the only right, like, just uh, Everyone, folks, get, get a map of England, find Nottingham... <laughs> See how big Sherwood Forest really is. Just like, I mean, and then look at all that space on either side. It was, it was pretty big, but you could go round it. And if you were getting ripped off to that kind of level, mm. you would really, wouldn't you? Right. Okay. But they're trusting Warfare. on Americans' lack of understanding of British geography. Multiple times. Okay, warfare. The sheriff calls in the Scottish Celts to fight Robin. A load of big, hairy, dirty, woady savages turn up, looking like they've just arrived from the second century. And sitting 
<laughs> setting bits of themselves on fire for kicks. You wouldn't find any of this lot among the refined society of 12th century Franco-Gaelic Scotland unless they were going to a fancy dress party. Nice. Romance. The sheriff believes that marrying Lady Marion, the Lionheart's cousin, will give him a claim to the throne. In reality, the Lionheart didn't have any cousins on his English side, and even if he had, the sheriff would have had to contend with the King of Castile, the Duke of Saxony, the Duke of Brittany, and the Lionheart's own brother John, all of whom had a much stronger claim, as well as proper armies not made up of blatantly fake Celts a millennium past their unleash-by date. <laughs> True. He obviously feels really strongly about this misrepresented Celtic. This thing. is a world in which Prince John doesn't exist. Oh, by the yeah, way, true. speaking of, during that interview, Morgan Freeman was like, oh, it's just a, it's a Robin Hood story, you know, Prince John wants the throne and the sheriff is his agent. And it's like, wow, which movie are you watching, Morgan Freeman? No one even says Prince John in the whole film. He's maybe Prince that was a different this. script. Was Prince John in all of the deleted scenes? Was I playing maybe? a badger in this movie? <laughs> Okay, so um, Mr. Von Tutzelman's uh, verdict on this, Alan Rickman playing the sheriff seems to be the only person in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, who has realised it's a pantomime. Yes. Consequently, he is hilarious and everything else in the film is terrible. <laughs> Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And, and call off Christmas. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So it starts with that theme by Michael Kamen. Fantastic music. And Michael Kamen, sadly, now no longer with us. Uh, but uh, this, I mean, this still plays on Disney DVDs. Which Lyra recognised it instantly yeah. as being from the Disney trailers. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fantastic sort of... It's this really, like, swashbuckling type theme. And he's got, the, he's got that and the romance theme just really down. So that... that that might have been why one of the reasons why I absolutely love this film. If it had had like weebly keyboard music as <laughs> played by John Carpenter, it probably wouldn't have been quite as Or just up. green sleeves over and over again. Yeah, or, or, or if it had been like, maybe it would have been even better if it had had like, I want to say Hawk the Slayer music. It might be the Beastmaster. It's, it's that... If you've ever seen... <laughs> It's very much like Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, um, but yeah, that's uh, Hulk the Slayer. It's uh, it's quite a, a fascinating, as is the Beastmaster, quite a fascinating fantasy to sort of sit and watch and go, wow, movies were like this at some point. So yeah, Bayou Tapestry, Michael Kamen, we're not even starting the film yet. Um, but no, you're absolutely right though. This is why it always makes me laugh when people criticise our taste in fantasy films prior to the Lord of the Rings. This was, was all we had. Yeah. It was this or Lady Hawk or <laughs> Dragon Slayer or Absolutely, all things with Muppets in them. Yeah. I mean could we even count Masters of the Universe? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a fantasy. But yeah, that, that like when Willow is the best. And it is, because it's awesome. Yeah. And it's still, Willow is still fantastic. Yes, it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, this was why Fellowship of the Ring was so significant. And then immediately followed by Harry Potter getting better and better every year, just raising the bow on fantasy. Um, so, yeah, we start off, Robin, getting tortured by Muslims. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're in Jerusalem. I, I wonder if they would start a Robin Hood film like this today. New. Nope. Would, no. I mean, would they? Do you think this is going to be in, in, say, Assassin's Creed when that comes out as a movie? 
<laughs> I really hope not. They'd have to. I think they'd they'd kind of have to de-emphasize the Crusades element. Yeah. I mean, do, do you think that, yeah. that that movie is specifically going to uh, start with a? This movie was made by a multi-denominational team of of different faiths. Just that disclaimer. Don't say it's, I mean, racist. Don't say it's racist. It's, it's not. not. I think it's going to have to, because, I mean, with what that touches on on so many different levels in those games, yeah. I mean, surprisingly, this movie with the with Morgan Freeman being our representation yeah. comes off a lot stronger, a lot better than I thought it would have yeah, if anything, in, in modern perspective. A uh, bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the fact that I like Azim, Azim is the only character I really like in this movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you say like, do you mean as in he's a likable person or just like as in you like watching him on the screen? Hang on, you don't like Marion? No, no, okay, no, hold okay, on. Okay, I forgot about Marion. I apologize. Yeah, well, you, you'd be forgiven for forgetting about Marion. The film does quite often. Yes, it does. <laughs> okay, so oh, my favorite line. Oh, God. I mean, they're all my favorite line. But um, Robin stops his friend Peter from having his hand cut off for stealing bread mm, um, by saying, no, 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 I took the bread. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do the American doing an English accent in the in the way he does. Yeah. But uh, I took the bread. He's got this kind of Midwestern. <laughs> where's he from? It's kind of little. It's Kansas. Isn't he from like I was gonna say, isn't Kevin Costner from like Kansas or Ohio? Yeah. So like he he, he puts his hand down instead, locks eyes with the guy whose whose who's job it is to hold the hands when they're locked off, and he goes. Apparently, he's from California. I apologize. And he says. This is English courage. Just <laughs> who did you nick that from? I would have loved to be in the cinema at that point, just to have the guffaws from the audience of. <laughs> no, it's not right. Because um, that's one of the, the magical elements of this was the perfectly woeful miscasting of Kevin Costner, because it's like I, I suppose you could have an American be Robin Hood, but he's so earnest. There's nothing foxy or sly about him at all. He's no. he's just like this sort of wide-eyed like he's Luke Skywalker practically. Well, grown-up Luke Skywalker. Actually, I think that it it kind of puts into perspective um criticisms these days of but you're just putting Chris Pratt in everything. But you're just putting Michael Fassbender in everything. Because they're inordinately talented. Absolutely. Back then it was like you're just putting Kevin Costner in everything. <laughs> and they were. This is actually speaking yeah. speaking of Alan Rickman trilogies, this is the first part of Kevin Costner's trilogy of epics throughout the nineties. He was in this Waterworld. Oh no, no 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 no. Think about epic sci-fi oh, fantasies. Yeah. This Waterworld Water and the Postman. Specifically because in all three, he is the saviour of mankind. And it's all about Kevin. And we are doomed. He was super popular was. in the early 90s. Between, I mean, JFK, this, those two. Yeah. Uh, but I think Waterworld was when his slip was starting to show. He, uh, he was, um, that was a panned film. It lost a lot of money and uh, people were, people began oh. to turn on him. Dances with Wolves as well in the same era. True, true. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. There's a documentary-ish, which st- comes with the uh, Blu-ray. It's called Robin Hood, The Man, The Myth, The Legend. Uh, presented by a, a young pre-bond Pierce Brosnan. And it's one of those ones where he sort of comes out and says, Hi, I'm Pierce Brosnan. You may remember me from Remington Steel. And <laughs> he, it's one of those... So, 
did Robin Hood exist? We spoke to a man in a sweet shop. I think he did exist, actually, and uh, uh, records show that there was a time uh, back in back in uh, early English uh, times when uh, there were certain brigands known as hoods, uh, which is uh, where, of course, uh, we get hoods by uh, today's standards, gangsters. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's ridiculously embarrassing to watch, but there's a bit where Pierce Brosnan goes, well, people laughed when they said they were going to cast Kevin Costner, but... Kevin Costner's a bit of a rebel in the Hollywood scene, would you say? There was, a, <laughs> there was very little faith in his film Dances with Wolves. Seven Oscars later, and the rest is history. <laughs> it's just like, Kevin made them say that! It is oh. a cringe-inducing feast that you must watch in a couple I'm, of I'm just going to say, by the way, regards Pierce Brosnan, it's a bit of a side set, but I, I saw him in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and thought there's something unsettling about him. He's just There's, there's something creepy and sleazy about this guy. He's supposed to like him. He's a nice guy. I know. He is no. a nice guy. And no, then I saw there's something creepy about him. <laughs> Thank you. It's not just me. But then you see, I saw him as Bond, and then it was kind of like it, it's slipping away even further. I, I, I still think there's something essentially creepy about him but I can't quite put my finger on it like this... I could see him with like really sharp teeth and yeah like, eating a so baby ma- <laughs> so what you're saying is he'd make a good Bond villain yes absolutely and then I watched him in this and I was like ah yeah that's it <laughs> the one Kevin Cosner movie we did forget in the middle of this was Wyatt Earp of course and I'd say, um... was he in I want to say Tombstone, that was Kurt Russell. Uh, that was the other Wyatt Earp, Earp story. He was also in The Bodyguard, which was a massively popular. Thing. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. One, so, along with this. This, uh, yeah, The Bodyguard and um, Prince of Thieves were like the two films my mother dragged us to go and see in the cinema. Yeah. And like coupled with the fact that they had incredibly popular songs in the UK pop charts, I Will Always Love You and Everything I Do, I Do For You, kind of made like... Kevin Costner was a sort of an unlikely heartthrob. This was just before Brad Pitt. And uh, it was after Tom Cruise, but slightly before Brad Pitt when people started going, now he's genuinely pretty and talented. And mums loved him. I think he was replaced by George Clooney. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the kind of, for, for the slightly older woman. Yeah. And that's, that's not to say, by the way, that Kevin Costner isn't talented. Dancing with Wolves is actually really good. And there's even like 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 tin cups, really, right? Uh, and he's been in plenty of other films where he gives a sort of a decent, steady performance. Field of Dreams. <laughs> Field of Dreams. A, a man who built a baseball ground in his back garden for guts. It's okay. Um, I mean, he was good in JFK as Jim Garrison. <laughs> it's it's just that here he's um, woefully miscast. <laughs> As uh, as Robin Hood in in this incredibly earnest, but but at the same time, I wouldn't I wouldn't really want to swap him out because if you swapped him for say Carrie Elwes and had him do literally the same things, and if say Men in Tights never happened, it would probably be a better film, but maybe less fun to watch these days. I don't know because I mean, it's be wonderful. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the script really to make it that as memorable as say The Princess Bride. Yeah, but I, I think you're right in that it is the the essential wrong-headed humour of it yeah. that makes that work because there's part of what makes um, Costner's performance so funny mm. to me is that this, this, the dialogue, the way the script is written, it seems to be for a significantly younger man. Yeah. Um, there are yeah. there are things he pulls off, there's things he says to Marion, the, the way he reacts to, to Will later on. 
and it's like if he was in like his mid to late 20s you could see that being just a, a, a basic part of that character but Kev really you ought to know better than this yeah. yes I did Okay, I've got a huge list, so let's just hop, skip, and jump through this. Okay. Um, I'll come out later. There was a British TV show called Robin of Sherwood starring Jason Connery, son of Sean. Um, actually, sorry, he was in season three. Uh, the first two seasons were a different uh, guy who I think was... I think the first guy was Robin of Loxley. The second guy was Robert of something else. Hun- Huntington, maybe. Um, and Huntingdon. Huntington, sorry. And uh, it's very kind of, it's got the clan ads in it, and it's very sort of British early 80s, very earnest, very kind of documentary And it seems like this is like a way of taking that, turning it into something more fun and palatable for blockbuster audiences. But there's a character in um, Robin of Sherwood called Nazir, who was a Saracen assassin. And in the original script for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, there was a Saracen named Nazir. And uh, the writer of Robin of Sherwood said, Oi, I'll sue. And uh, then the people who were writing it found out that there was no such person as Nazir in the original Robin Hood legend, and that was actually made up for that show. Um, and there have been other like, Saracens um, who have followed since then. Basically, this is like a, a, a sort of inspirational character, and they changed the name of Nazir to Azim. Or oh, indeed, in Men in Tights, I am a sneeze. Father of Achu. Bless you. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why I laugh at this, but not that, because that's going, huh? Anybody? Huh? Whereas this, it's more sort of just earnest, kind of, either we take our chances with the ghosts or we become ghosts ourselves, which for me is way funnier. Um, so yeah, so uh, Azim ended up as a, a major character in this, and uh, then uh, Papa Loxley deals with the sheriff, and this is um, Brian Blessed giving his, uh, his his sort of fantastic Flash Gordon die type performance. <laughs> Good as King Richard, he could. He is awesome, but when is Brian Blessed ever not? Good point. Good point. And uh, I kind of wish he was in it a lot more. In fact, yeah, he could have come back in as King Richard and would have uh, probably forgiven it. um, Sean Connery was originally proposed the role for Lockley. Lockley, yeah, of course. Well, it kind of makes sense because he was in another Robin Hood film slightly before this called Robin and Marion, was it? Where he plays an old Robin Hood. Yeah. So an old Robin Hood, father of a young Robin Hood playing literal father of Robin Hood. I mean, he's about as Robin Hood as it gets, despite being Scottish. Maybe they said to Brian Blessed and Sean Connery, right, one of you can be Loxley, the other one can be King Richard, it just depends which one turns up first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I challenge you to a beard fight. (laughs) Which one that was. (laughs) But but yeah, um, you know, still Scotland, considerably closer than California. Closer than uh, Hadrian's Wall is to, uh, to California. <laughs> anyway, so um, da, 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 da. I've just written down five miles from home, my ass. Um, <laughs> originally, when uh, they, uh, Kevin was getting very antsy about the costume, uh, he went into his uh, dressing room and they had put some green tights in there. And he came out going, well, what's this, guys? I'm not really, what? And they were like, we're just messing with you, Kevin. But uh, he actually realized uh-huh. that there'd be tights and his agent was very skittish about it. Uh, and uh, he was like, well, you know, there was never any danger. He was going to be wearing tights. What are you talking about? 
but the the costumes themselves, while not wetter level by any means, <laughs> do have a sort of an earthy, uh, you know, kind of theatricality to them. Like they're fun yeah. to watch. They're covered well, in mud, which yes. is like yeah. period accurate. So yeah, well, and also the fact that certain costumes change hands. Robin's cloak from the beginning of the movie ends up on. Oh, and I'm suddenly uh, Duncan. I was about to call him Blinken, and I knew that wasn't right. Blinken. So, <laughs> sorry. Q- no, Winking and nods stood off lo- to the back. Then. No, no, he's from a Robin Hood Men and Tights. Cue many, many blind man jokes. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, I, I did like the fact that Robin gave up his the little patchwork cloak he had when he first got to Dover mm-hmm. in England to his servant, I suppose. Man servant. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> his. Uh, but I thought it was a nice gesture to yeah. kind of see the, them passing it along, and but still keeping the costume around. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Robin's like main core costume is great fun. You got loads, uh, like you know, he's wearing a lot of leather. They seem to have gone mental with a stud gun throughout all the costumes, especially <laughs> yes for the the breakout at the end. Everyone's covered in studs. It's like they went mental with a bedazzler. So yeah. Uh, you know, five miles from Nottingham at Hadrian's Wall, we meet Guy of Gisborne, uh, played by Michael Wincott, who has got one of the most incredible distinctive voices of all time. Now, you're not playing by the rules, boy. Dear, don't climb trees. He's um, <laughs> tearing apart the uh, scenery in this one. Cut him down. That is immediately followed by him saying, cut down that tree. And there's a, a brief shot of a guy about to cut down the tree with a little axe... And the tree is like six men wide. Uh, We can only see part of the tree, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that if this guy had started hacking away at this thing, eventually dropping dead of exhaustion, he'd have had to give it to the next man in his dying breath. And they would have hacked and hacked and hacked until eventually the last man but Guy, or maybe even Guy himself, would have had to hack down, continue hacking down the tree, and then when he dropped dead, Wolf would have just dropped down and run off. And the dog that child would have starved to death well, no, before the dogs would have uh, eaten all of the, uh, <laughs> the dead guards <laughs> as well. So uh, it's, they, the guards conveniently forgot they had crossbows. God damn it! Why didn't I not notice that? Well, of course. Why would you cut down at one of the trees? One arrow at him. They did shoot one arrow at him before they gave up yeah, it's like, <laughs> easier to chop down the, they're like oh well that one didn't work so Absolutely thinks he's a gamer. <laughs> the rest of just not known for their persistence yeah um, and Kevin Costner basically sorry it's not even Robin Hood at this point Kevin Costner leaps down and uh, does he no he just like beats the crap he, he wallops 12 well, the first men the first one he hits with a crossbow and breaks the guy's nose and bends the helmet, which comes back up later. Those things are made of stretchy rubber, clearly, because yeah. um, like Alan Rickman punches a guy full in the face while he's wearing one. Um, well, was was it this scene where he like ran slightly down the hill and then jumped onto the guy who was on the horse yeah. and took down the guy and the horse? Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, that's that's impressive. <laughs> It was very impressive. This is immediately after that awesome little list. There's no sun in this cussed country. No, no, there isn't. Sorry, we 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 don't get sun. <laughs> you weren't here on the one day of the year when we get sun. And but it didn't rain the entire movie. Yeah, but that's the thing. No. That that is entirely accurate that we have no sun. It's inaccurate that we have no rain. But there should have been that one day when the Sun newspaper says few water scorcher and it goes up above fifty eight degrees. <laughs> um, so yeah, the. Uh, 
it's a great little sort of worth dying for sort of little discussion speech, which sort of uh, punctuates the whole movie as, you know, sort of suggesting to Robin that maybe not just being a boisterous bully is, uh, is, is the way forward. But it seems it's difficult to know whether Robin really does go through an arc in this. Because he doesn't seem to be all that proud or pompous at the beginning. Everyone treats him like he used to be, clearly. But if he'd started like that and then ended much more humble, that would have been actually kind of good. Don't you think? Yeah. But he's just kind of the same steady asshat through the through most of the film. Steady asshat. Kind of is. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, Azim questions him repeatedly. He's like, you do this for their glory or for yours? And, um, it, you know, the, people question him, but it never really seems to be in doubt that Robin is actually doing this for the greater good. And, uh, you know, certainly once he meets Marion, he's like, oh, she's lovely. I'll do anything for her. I'll, totally. There's a song. That's because, that's because Azim is the moral compass of this movie. Yeah. Yes, Azim is the moral compass of the entire country. Yes. Is <laughs> The foreigner he's represents the entire the- village. Yes. There's also that, that line, which I um, reuse. There's a couple of lines in this which we reuse all the time in just regular day-to-day speech. In this case, it's, you whine like a mule. You are still alive. Which, for some reason, <laughs> like whenever someone's whining at me, I feel like just slapping them on the shoulder and saying that. And also, the one that I tend to use at you quite a lot. Something vexes thee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is spectacularly delivered by Geraldine McEwen to a spectacularly vexed Alan Rickman. Um, there's another one coming up in a second, but we won't spoil it. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I've put one note down here. Sharon loves Danny Newman? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Back when you were like 10, 11, 12, Sharon? Oh, yeah, back when I was... Obviously not now. You don't get that out. Then he went off and became a borrower, and I realised that he wasn't my type anymore. Well, literally. He he was in the borrowers. (laughs) Okay, that's different. (laughs) Uh, Did anyone notice the weird, creepy fisheye lens effect? It, 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 repeats it crops it, up occasionally, especially it? with yeah. the with the sheriff and guy to make them look extra hideous when you're like shoving it right in their face. And like, yeah, they use it on uh, Mortiana as well. Yeah, it's like let's make yes. our villains look even more hideous. So uh, yeah, that was uh, Kevin Reynolds, director of Waterworld. There, um, and, and yeah, we are shortly after this deli- uh, delivered onto the arms of Alan Rickman, sheriff, uh, one of the uh, best all time um, ham villains. I mean. Oh, God, yes. By no means is this the same sort of performance as Die Hard, where he's actually pretty reined in most of the time during that and, and uh, is made... Like, those few moments when he um, delivers, like, particularly dry uh, uh, lines are, you know, make the character. But in this, he's sort of, like, striding about the place, you know, chewing on the scenery, grumbling, shouting, and delivering witticisms, and clearly being the only smart person within his uh, court, it's it's he's he's got that kind of I'm surrounded by idiots thing. Going. Kind of like he pretty much says that in one scene. He's 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 like Lex Luthor in the uh, the Donna films. Yeah. Yes. Hi. He is charmingly neurotic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, we also get introduced to. I mean, yeah, you've seen it. You must have seen it by now. Okay, right. Let's pretend. Okay. Just in case people haven't yet seen it, we uh, meet the Sheriff of Nottingham and his witch, who's a woman named Mortiana. I, I want to say woman, that's kind of charitable. She, she's played with ghastly repugnance by Geraldine McEwen, now very sadly uh, no longer with us. 
but uh, who's uh, she's basically I, I think like she must really have some kind of powers because she's the painted man like she can st- certainly see some things like but it's kind of like called into question whether she's uh, a fraud or not a couple of times in the, uh, the the story in the extended cut you actually get to see that she's also been spying on the sheriff and he finds out and goes extremely gets extremely angry. Hmm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, she's um, like imagine the most like the a scary Halloween witch, and you're pretty much there with creepy eyes, and um, you can see right through her, and she flies as well. Yes. Yeah. And she seems to be practicing some sort of weird voodoo, which involves eggs filled with blood and chicken feet and like throwing down scrying stones. And an, and an upside down cross. There's a big yep. Yep. giant upside down cross in and there. Scratching her nails on that plate. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. still sets me it still sets me off. I'm like, ah. Yeah. The noise you made sounded more like a dolphin though. Yeah. <laughs> she also slaughters dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> which were very tough to get hold of in those days um, but there's a bit in, again in the uh, extended version where uh, the sheriff comes in and he turns the cross the right way up and then goes eh, and then turns it the other way around again because it's, to him it doesn't make much difference oh my god yeah and then he makes that ridiculous comment about um, you know I you know I follow the old ways but you know sometimes I can't really see much difference and it's obviously meant to be some kind of uh, sort of oh look you see Satanism and Christianity come from the same re- yeah Satanism's not the old ways if you're comparing it with Christianity Christianity came first indeed <laughs> um, the, uh, I can see why they took it out though because they didn't want to yes. mortally offend most of America <laughs> but uh, yeah they, not to mention every pagan going yeah they, they, there's pretty much like I don't actually think you couldn't like you. The only people that you wouldn't offend with that is people who don't really know much about it at all or have anything invested in it. In which case, you're still asking them to laugh at all kinds of religions involving some kind of cross. Uh, yeah, I suppose if you piss off um, Satanists, I suppose not a problem that much. <sighs> Sorry for <if I'm> pissing <laughs> off Satanists out there. <laughs> anyway, I'll edit that out just like they did in the theatrical version. <laughs> Okay, so um, also, like, keep your eyes open during the scenes with Mortiana. They have the scanner out of Aliens. You know, at the beginning of Aliens, when they, they send that light in that goes meow, meow, and it's got, like, a blue, like, a, 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 a unholy kind of light that's in a very, very straight line. That's, like, sticking out of her wall, just, you know, lighting the scene eerily. But if you actually focus on the light source, it's like, that... Like, there's no way that any that's actual natural light coming through there. You've got some kind of Luxion lamp there. I had several issues with some of the lighting throughout the film. Mm-hmm. It was it was just and this 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 skips ahead quite a bit after they uh, they they burned down the village, and you know Kevin Costner is like coming back up the hill, and they're all like, "Oh, Robin is alive," and he's just completely black backlit. Yeah, like where is that coming from? Uh, the f- what hey? is that? It's not that's not the fire. There, there's it's that's too not fire. White. It's too white. It is like a completely white light. It's the moon's coming up it's beneath the moon the hill or yeah. underneath him. Is there no sun in this country? <laughs> yeah, it's just behind me. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, oh, Azim also does, and as another crack here, hospitality in this country is as warm as the weather, which uh, again true, because we are 
cold-hearted and we like you know we, even when we have guests who we love and treasure we pretty much push them out the door we you know we're sitting there with a grandfather clock between our pajama knees at two in the morning going go home go away <laughs> anyway there's a bit like where he goes like they go back to Loxley Castle. He finds Duncan, and not oh, even when they took my eyes. Very sad. Um, and we get to see poor, um, like oh, actually, do you remember when like Lord Loxley is writing to you? Do know the name of the potentate who has him? It cuts to a, like a, a tapestry picture on the wall of a young-looking Kevin Costner, like sort of standing there in a shirt. It's like, yep, that's his. Yep, just in case we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but so yeah, he he goes back to the uh, castle and then goes by his wooden grave. I will not rest until my father is avenged. And he cuts his hand and swear it by my own blood. They're, like it it cuts away and like he squishes some brown corn syrup, <laughs> like chocolate <laughs> syrup in his hand. So just... And then it cuts back. There's no blood on his hand at all. Um, but it always bothered me when I was a kid. I was like, hang on, hang on, that's going to get infected. You need that hand. What are you doing? See, that wasn't the part that bothered me in that little that little scene. What bothered me was that Duncan was just kind of sitting around this burnt castle. Yeah. For about four months, because it said it said like four months later. Oh, it's like, God, what is he doing? Right. He must be is eating he just, rats. He ate. He he probably ate just whatever was left of the people that were not Which strung up. Which means by that time, he, he <laughs> must be like a blind Shaolin monk. He must be actually really good at finding his way in total darkness. <laughs> but he's just sitting in the castle and all of a sudden they hear this noise like, oh, unless, what is that? Oh, hey, look, it's Duncan. Unless there was another servant who was living with him and just like feeding, like waiting on him hand and foot. Just, oh, my, my feet hurt. Could you possibly bring me a footstool? Mm-hmm. And then he died just before Robin and his team got there. <laughs> or he, he went, oh, I'm dying, Duncan. I'm dying. I will... I will always love you, Duncan. Bye. <laughs> and then he pegged it. There's yes. no other explanation, really. Um, no, there isn't. And that was that. That just totally worked it out for me. I'm I'm okay with it now. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah. Sharon. Speaking of things that don't make any sense, the rest of this mm-hmm. movie. Um, ruins. Yeah. Yeah. They they seemed it. it this made me smile in the commentary when they were. They seemed quite proud of the fact that they had gone to actual English castle <laughs> ruins to film scenes of people living in them, <laughs> which makes it look like twelfth-century English people haven't got the wit to move out of a castle that's fallen over. Or to fix it up, maybe. <laughs> It's like, they didn't look a few like curtains. that when people lived in them, for goodness It's like living in a home that's been struck by a tornado. Which which I've known people do. Yeah. You know, tree half in the roof, still live in there. They, they but... shoot them from certain angles where it's like people might not notice, but like when you're in like Maid Marian's castle, like look at the wall, it's so covered in ivy. You'd have <laughs> to get rid of that, that ivy. It would, nothing it, it would pull the wall down. In one scene, you can see the plaque on the wall in the cat and Marion's Nice. Oh! Made Marion live that. here 1132 to 1198. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, um, yeah, so they're living in ruins, and uh, mm. the, the bit when he goes to sort of meet Maid Marion, um, this is the other line which we use. It's when, when he, go, he goes in, they, they, you, you can come in here, leave your weapons. Like, no more beggars. This, this like... She's a Monty Python character, practically. This, I, I wish she was in it more. She's Brian's mom. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
Robin gets let in, and Marion's maidservant basically goes, Hello, I'm Ed Marion. And he's like, Mm. Like, in step into the light, child, before we knew each other well. And she steps into the light and he goes, Ugh. He literally. And it's like, oh, come on. You know, she's not that man. He's like, and, he's, and he says this wonderful line, which I have used so many times in a cruel fashion. And for that, I apologize to everyone I've ever used it on, although they never knew, um, because they're usually celebrities. The years have been kind. It's the. Pause in between. It is that pause. <laughs> it's the pause. So, like, you know, when you see Ricky, Mickey Rook and he looks like meat, you go, the years of. <laughs> Been kind. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. The years have wrecked you like a caterpillar trap. <laughs> Uh, and then he fights a ninja, which of course Britain was full of. The- which, again, Lyra took one look at her and went, "Is that the girl?" Because of course her head's covered, yes. and like the traditions of the are that a black robed or motorcycle helmeted figure will attack the hero. They'll grapple for a bit, then the hero will get the better of her, or like she'll get you know this figure will get the better of him, then pull off the helmet to reveal like. Um, fucking L'Oreal advert shaking out the hair and oh my god it's a woman but women can't fight I oh I'm, I've gone cross-eyed too many different pieces of information for me to count which is funny it's just it's such a trope now yeah. that Ian and I talked a little bit about this watching is it a trope because of like this? films like this or is it just or has it always just been? I, I don't know. I think a these. Trope. I'm not. These days, it's a trope they have to try to subvert. I mean, technically, they were trying to make Marion tougher in this, um, and like they, they went out of their way to go. Look, she can defend herself. As as you can see, we can defend ourselves fine. And, and she basically can defend herself, just not against Robert of Luxley because he'll burn your hand and nearly stab you on some antlers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think, but she does get to kick him in the bollocks, which is great. She does yes. indeed. Um, th- th- I think. There is very much a trope that uh, a woman turns up and by one means or another, she's not what you think she is at first. And then it turns out that she's either really kick ass at fighting or, you know, she's she's a completely different um, person or whatever. So you've kind of this this trope of the duplicitous female, but you're actually quite impressed when she reveals the the hidden side of herself. It's actually one of the reasons I really like Brienne in Game of Thrones, because she's big and she looks like she could kick the shit out of people. And she does. Mm. Yes, she does. She is refreshingly honest and, um, and, uh, I don't, it's not one dimensional, but you know what I mean? What you see is what you get with Brienne, yeah. pretty much. And Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio have been in Scarface, which is a loathsome film, and uh, then The Abyss, which is uh, really quite good. Uh, but uh, do you know The Abyss has never been brought out on Blu ray or in HD of any kind? It's. Which is a shame. Yeah. Because it re- it's a James Cameron film, and they really excel in HD, and it's almost like he's ashamed of it, or he's so busy thinking about Avatar that he won't okay a, uh, a new a blue- Blu-ray of this. And it's a James Cameron movie, which means the director's cut is significantly better than the original cut? Yep, significantly better, significantly longer, more emotionally driven. Um, and uh, Oh, also, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, uh, several years after this, 
played uh, Aldonza in a stage production of Man of La Mancha, and she was awesome. She was indeed oh. fantastic. Yes. It's my favourite musical, and she's great in it. And, and watching her back in this and thinking of her as Aldonza kind of works for me. They should make a uh, Man of La Mancha movie again. I know they made the one with Sophia Loren. <laughs> But um, I... Gilliam's been trying for decades. Well, no, that's a that's a Don Quixote film, and you know it's it's not entirely the same thing. But ultimately, with yeah, a with a just um, to play within a play within a play within a play. And um, I'm a big fan of uh, like at least seeing if musicals will work on film. If they don't, maybe try again later. But <laughs> big fan of, for it's example, sort of Phantom. thing Disney could do yeah. well, frankly. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantano. Um, if you haven't, like, just jump on um, uh, YouTube and listen to her rendition of... Uh, what does he want of me? And... Hang on. It's all the same. That's the yeah. one she puts all, all of that rage into. She's yes. fantastic. All right. Okay, so um, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantona, we salute you, and uh, she, she's like, uh, if, if there had been a rubbish Maid Marian in this, it would have been nowhere near as enjoyable, but because she's um, multifaceted and is both spunky but also vulnerable, and, uh, you know, she has a, an elegance to her, and uh, she's... You can see when she's sort of going, you know, playing courtly with the sheriff and then sort of, you know, talking to Robin as as just being Marion when she's being sad about Peter. And, you know, she's basically just you can't hide the fact that she's a great actress and she does very well with what she's given, which is about as much as everybody else has given. Yes. And, uh, yeah, then we meet little John because uh, that's immediately followed by the like oh, I remember didn't take your virtue um, as uh, kind of just <laughs> makes another appearance and uh, that, that whole uh, uh, telescope thing happens and Robin shows himself to be a complete bumpkin when he like tries to stab the men at the end of the telescope <laughs> his one th- I mean that's like one- a caveman <laughs> well, I mean, uh, to, to be fair, I mean, Ooh, it, fire it, from it, his fingers. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, at least Kevin Costner's initial reaction looks earnest. Like, oh my god, what what is this yes. magic? But yeah, trying to stab him with a sword. <laughs> yeah, um, they, they overplay that, but it's hilarious to watch in a kind of what uh, way. <laughs> And then, of course, the jumping into the hay to get off the wall. Yeah, there's a lot of jumping in the hay. The synchronized jumping. Yes. We did that together. Time to jump in the hay, Azim. Again, I'm too old for this shit. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> this is immediately followed by the river antics when uh, Kevin meets the only other American in... Actually, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantone is American, isn't she? Yes. So, like, he draws Americans to him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just he's going around England collecting Americans. Will Scarlet turns up, trips him over, and then he has that famous fight with uh, um, Little John in the uh, in the river. The river Scarlet- that's in Yorkshire, by the way. Yes, not Nottinghamshire. <laughs> what did you say, Manic Bean? Uh, Will's little ditty is one of Ian's favorites to uh, to sing. What? There once was a rich man from Nottingham tried to cross, cross the river. river. What a dope, he tripped on a rope. Now look at him shiver. Indeed. I have quoted that more times than I will be care to admit. What context did you quote it back? <laughs> just randomly. Tried to cross the river? <laughs> just, just randomly when people I know would do stupid shit. 
<laughs> it's a good one. I don't know. I'm just weird. I just, I like that ditty. It's funny, even if it is Pop Goes the Weasel. I can only imagine you doing it in, with the same gusto that uh, uh, Christian Slater does. Slink sinks his teeth into it with. Uh, again, Christian Slater in the interviews, he's off his face. If you watch him, his eyes are all over the place. He's like, yeah, I was in a Robin Hood picture, I think. And um, <laughs> this is like when he's on his way downhill, clearly. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, having just watched him in, in Mr. Robot very recently, mm-hmm. where he's... It's fantastic to, to watch, see those two oh, good. kind of together. Did, has he cleaned himself up in the recent years? Um, he still looks pretty scruffy, but he he seemed to be doing all right. I just meant like you know, is he off the skag or whatever else he was on? I don't that know. I, that I don't know. I don't. I don't keep much track of Christian. It's Slater. what Robert Downey Jr. did, and it did, did wonders for him. Right. No, <laughs> like, hey, so he beats um uh he beats uh, little John with the cunning use of nearly drowning the man in. <laughs> After smacking him in the ball, yeah, with a with a giant stick, Hits him well, and in the then holding stick. him, and then holding him so he's floating, so his feet don't touch the you know, yeah. the the three foot tall water. Yeah, it's th- that that took some serious like he must have been Dick seriously him. panicking. Plus, <laughs> if his balls hurt a lot, which they would have done, you're not thinking straight at that stage. Um, but yeah, the, 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 it's, it's a fun scene with a lot of, you know, lively music and of, uh, you know, from, from Cayman again. So yeah. And some great lines from Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Get up. Move Get faster. Faster. <laughs> and careful dad. He wore 12 of the show's men. That's your father? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like, uh, okay. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. Right, so... Um, well, the kid did not vouch for him at all, just like, hey, watch out. No, it was... The kid just wanted to watch him get his ass beat. Yeah, I think the, the kid mm. was like, careful, Dad. He completely saved my ass, and I would be a dead boy now, were it not for him, you might want to actually not tax him or challenge him to a fight with sticks. Instead, just try, <laughs> instead let's encourage the violence yeah. and try and kill this man. Oh, that's a shame. He nearly... Yeah, but I'm, I'm assuming he Wolf suspected that his dad would beat the living crap out of uh, this uh, guy with his gold, in inverted commas, medallion. Yeah. <laughs> it's pewter. And um, and then they'd be able to l- live off that for a blooming month. Mm, no. It's, it's yeah, a good plan. Um, so yeah, th- then then we get leather hats and groveling in the mud. Now this is a phrase that I've used basically about most depictions of medieval times, which is whenever you see like a celebration, they're all wearing those kind of leather hats. They're like little dwarf hoods, and they're always <laughs> groveling in the mud, just like flopping about in on their backs, uh, drinking <laughs> mead or whatever it is that people drink in medieval films. Like uh, you know in. Um, like medieval pictures, they're often depicted as like doing those clapping games or playing ring a ring of roses or playing cup and ball and groveling in the mud. And that just basically became my abiding uh, image of medieval times, possibly helped along by the overabundance of mud and groveling in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Now knock it off! Yes, Lord! Right! Yes. But yeah, that's that, that's what their drunken debauchery is of that evening. And then there's that, um, that is a savage sire moment. Uh, when they're, uh, they, Azim keeps coming up against the uh, the bigotry of the British public, and uh, I think basically you're supposed to be constantly on side with Azim, going, "Jesus, these guys!" 
Um, and ultimately, as an American watching this movie, it kind of it helps. I'm assuming to like have a, a you know to, to feel like you're being guided around by Robin, and uh, like to be as incredulous as Azim while you're watching these crazy British bumpkins with their eccentric ways. Yeah, you know, watching it, I was like, I, I kept telling you, "Wow, your people are just awful." <laughs> <laughs> it's like this. This film is just so unflattering it is. to 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 Britain in general, and just. Yeah, it was it was a little it was a little sad. It's very much an American viewpoint of England. Possibly why I love it so much. It's it's Mary Poppins cup o' tea, and uh, <laughs> in fact, I think no one drinks tea, and that seems like a historical accuracy, which is rare for this. <laughs> one out of a thousand is not bad for historical accuracies in a Hollywood movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did someone drink tea? It feels like someone did, but no, maybe not. No, no. I, I don't recall seeing anybody drink tea. Wine, yes. Beer, yes. I don't think anybody drinks water, which, again, would be relatively historically accurate. So did you say that they were drinking beer because it's the only way to make sure that the water around those parts wasn't um, going to kill them? Well, basically, yeah. You, the, the very weak ale um, that people used to drink all the time was because the water was always filthy. Yeah, so the fermentation. So you could yeah. drink it, but it, you probably wouldn't want to. Gotcha. Beer is a way of making it taste slightly better. Ah, that's why we and, British and, are such strong drinkers. Yes, the problem is the beers got stronger over the years. Yeah, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it used to be a lot heavier too, wasn't it? It was a lot more yeasty. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you're hungry because you can't afford a great deal of food, Liquid but you bread. can't afford yeah. cheap beer, then yes, yeah. It's mud. It's mother's milk from Firefly. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. Kinda. Mm. Um. So yeah, then we get Robin sort of infiltrating the church and the I'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon, which See. which is something that we say quite a bit it's a good one you know because if someone wrongs you it's it's good to sort of shout that at them as they're fleeing on horseback in a modern context by by dropping a chandelier on your enemy's head yeah yeah and riding the rope to the top and there's that bit where the sheriff chases after him and then that one guy graham from maid marion and her merry men or possibly gary lets um him through seemingly like yeah what's he gonna do like robin whacks him in the face and he somehow doesn't doesn't stop him and then the sheriff grabs the guy, beats the crap out of him, and then turns around and shouts at the crowd, what are you looking at? And the guy falls on his <laughs> robe, and it starts to tear as Alan Rickman's running. And he sort of turns around in a kind of a what kind of way. It feels like that was an accident. It feels, they wouldn't have wrecked the costume on purpose. To, they do, no, I don't they think want to do mo- many have. takes of it. So that was probably just the best take of the 21, which seemed the most... Because well, you know, the sheriff has dignity. That's possibly why it's so, uh, it's so great to watch him, you know, get... Lose it. Lose it over and over again. Um, oh. And the important part of the escape with the chandelier is the sheriff getting his uh, cheek slashed yeah. by Robin. And that moment he goes... Ah! <laughs> It's 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 a kind of a oh you've done it now boy moment, um, and uh, so yeah then the sheriff takes her out on the peasants um, slaughter their livestock no take their livestock I want them fighting to bring him in um, and it's one of those montages of hardship to be almost immediately followed by a montage of sort of pulling yourself back from that and um, 
there's that bit where like all of the peasants are coming to see Robin and they've got a bone to pick with him and this one guy sort of turns his child's head on one side and the guy and the kid's like got like a little bit of blood on the side of his head he goes look look what they've done and I just thought they <laughs> you just picked your kid up by the neck what, what are you doing <laughs> they made your child's head bleed a bit okay just just jump forward eight hundred years and see what you know people are doing to slaves. You know, in the far more civilized sort of 18th, 19th century. And, uh, and yeah, you know, your, your kid's head bleeding. That's just medieval people being nice. <laughs> that is sweet and soft treatment in, in, by comparison. Now, yeah, compared with Game of Thrones, this is like My Little Pony. <laughs> Again, though, I, I mean, I don't think they're going for historical accuracy here. The, uh, the nobles were traditionally um, not massively kind and gentle to the serfs no exactly they were terrible they were like but basically if you showed what you know accurately what would have happened um (laughs) it it wouldn't be be nearly as much no longer a fun comedy it would be like i still can't believe they slaughtered that entire village (laughs) (laughs) you'd never be able to come back from that basically did they do that for real um yes and when they do it in game of thrones you can't yeah um (laughs) but where this succeeds and the postman fails is um in the postman, because we've also reviewed the postman, we we just haven't. I don't think at this stage we won't have put it out yet, but uh, it's it's coming. Um, it's a short review though. It's it's one of our um, like uh, like snippet type reviews. But where the postman fails is it's never self-effacing. It always takes itself way too seriously, and there's nothing funny about it. Um, in in this, it's they're trying to make it a fun romp, and you can kind of take Kevin Costner as the saviour of all humanity in a fun romp, but not in a serious social context of a sci-fi, I suppose, which is what that was supposed to be. No, if we're left to Kevin Costner, we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I also, don't recommend listening to the commentary with him and Kevin Wenzel. It's like, right, we're going to get some serious insight here. And it seems like they haven't watched the movie for years. <laughs> like, oh yeah what was this bit here and uh it's yeah it's um it, it's best to leave that to mystery and just and hope and imagine that they uh all of this stuff was intentional yeah it's not <laughs> quite as bad as the commentary for um conan yeah oh god john millius and old oh. shorts that are getting that it's classically awful they're just a pair of boobs talking about boobs Ever. all the time it's an awful waste of young flesh in this movie <laughs> I have I have a hard time watching that movie without drinking a little. Give <laughs> yourself a tall glass of water for that one. Um, okay, so there's that line. What do we need that this forest cannot provide? Food. Food. <laughs> it's got inedible trees: oak, silver birch, and hawthorn. Nothing that grows in Sherwood Forest can really nourish you. Not not in the way that you need to be nourished. You're, yeah, you're I at think the point of starvation, entire... you're going to hit actual starvation at this stage. I think they're going for like an entire meat diet. Yeah. Because the, cause, you know, Wolf earlier was like, oh yeah, I've killed hundreds of deer. Hundreds of them. But, hundreds, but we never actually yeah. see them hunting deer. We never actually no, see them eating see them meat, chicken. really. I mean, do, do we at the fruit? chickens? Oh, there's chickens. They, yeah, they, they do, with, yeah. They, they managed they to. Well, oh, the forest them provided chickens. them with chickens, of course. Yes. Well-known wild British chickens. wild chicken. Chickens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you enjoy your acorns, Rob. We'll be over here with the chickens. I think you'll find the wild chickens were eaten all by all the wild bears. 
<laughs> Possibly so. I think if they party like that every night, though, they've scared all the deer off by now. They're true. Yeah. Well, you know, you got it, it, the the forest is providing chickens and metal to make arrows yep. and you know, yeah. and many many ropes to make rope bridges. Yes. Just That's in case anyone's wondering, miles of rope. That's not how arrows are made. <laughs> that would not be how iron. That would not be how iron arrows are made. Those would be pewter, which would like hit somebody and bend. Mm. Not good arrows. How are, how are, how are iron no. arrows made, sir? That you hit them with a hammer, okay, repeatedly on an anvil and form them that way. Oh God! If only we had Chris Eason on this one. That's not how our, our arrows are made. No, he would have said exactly. So I think he'd have taken issue with the bows as well. Yeah, was on the bows on the wrong side. Mm, and uh, yes. I, I, hang on, let me think about this. I think they probably did hold the the arrows on the wrong side. Uh, the uh, the the side where they're sort of they're resting on the thumb rather than on the bow itself. You know. Yeah. 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 I think they had. Um, so yeah, the uh, this is immediately followed by the, the montage of them sort of going. Duh, duh, duh. Oh, actually, there's that bit where um, yeah, he's like, you know, yeah, what are you going to? Basically, Will comes forward and says, you know, are you going to finish what you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Will steps forward and says, "Are oh, you? You know, you you fool! You started a war. What are you going to do now?" And uh, and you know, Kevin of the Hood says, "I'm going to to lead you." <laughs> Will's about to throw a knife in his back, and Kevin goes, oh, "Bollocks to that!" Fires an arrow through the guy's hand. It's it's an exceptionally calculated and and, and uh, an excellent move for uh, uh, ta- you know taking your enemy. Your sorry. It's a pimp moment. It is. <laughs> Best way of putting it. But it's, it's never referenced it's again in the movie. Yeah, I mean, Will never says, I can't use this hand anymore. You shot me through it, you asshole. <laughs> this was my knife hand. No, he's, he's fine a few scenes later. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Well, and then he runs off into the woods, and you don't see him for the rest of the montage until after the attack on Sherwood. I'm assuming he was healing up. Uh, possibly hunting for those, you know, delicious wild hawthorns <laughs> that they can munch down on. Um, so yeah, this is immediately followed by the sheriff uh, saying, you know, with his predilection for prostitutes, I can't believe this got itself into it. What would this have been a PG? <laughs> you at ten thirty, you at ten forty-five, and bring a friend. Bring a friend. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. <laughs> That's that charming neuroticism coming through again. Oh, it is. They may have gotten so- away with it because they look so bored and sad, rather than going, yeah, sheriff. Mm. Well, and then isn't that where we see the Sheriff of Nottingham statue with its uh, stitch marks on it? Yep. Yes. Yeah. But it's it's quite admirable. It's a brave man that can admit that he can't even last fifteen minutes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But that but that he can also come back from that he's, at least. He's once. ready to go. Mm. He is. I think yes. basically from the sounds of it, the, t- the sheriff is so tense from all this, he needs to relieve his tensions <laughs> twice. He has the sex drive of a seventeen-year-old. Yes. <laughs> He was very vigorous. Yeah. Um, actually, in the, the the deleted extended bits of this, um, Mortiana says, cut out the tongue of the scribe. No particular reason. And the sheriff grabs a knife and goes, right. And so that's why the scribe doesn't really talk much after that. Oh. There's even a point where the scribe writes down a little blackboard, uh, something like, you know, uh, how's, your, how's bride? your bride? Because he can't talk. And at the oh. at the end, when they grab him and say, "Where's the sheriff?" He goes, "Up the stairs," because he hasn't got a tongue. So it's like, yes, let's start Game of Thrones right now. Well, they took that out because it was a bit too dark, and there's also no reason for it. 
So yeah, but there's a great bit where he sort of yanks off that guy's cap, spits on it, and tries to rub off the uh, uh, the pen mark on his um, on his statue's cheek. <laughs> One of the reasons this is so funny, actually, is because they're doing two comedies at once. One intentional and one unintentional. So like I said, Rickman's in on the joke, but Rickman has all the funny lines. It's 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 weird the way it's written, because like you'd think that someone else would be funny. I mean, I suppose, I, suppose, um, I mean, like, it's dryly humorous throughout, but no one's hilarious, except for the sheriff. Yeah, he's the only one that really has, he's, he's both entirely slimy, mm. and just, he makes your skin crawl just a little bit, but he's also just so funny that you can't quite take all of the horror of him seriously yeah that's true actually if if he hadn't had that there are scenes in this that would be so dark as to be quite it would throw you out of the story quite substantially yes like in our very first meeting of him who told you to cover up like that was a little i was like oh it's gonna be that kind of alan rickman yes and it's a but then from there he gets he gets funnier yeah and it shows you also how incredibly restrained his performance as Snape is as well. It, just, it highlights that. It does. He's amazing. He is. A, a national treasure, maybe? maybe? Yes. Yeah. Is he Sir Alan of Rickman yet? Because he bloody should be. I don't know, but yeah, he, he really ought to be. Definitely national treasure. This is fucking killing me, just editing through this. It really kind of hammers home the fleeting nature of life. You'll be talking about how awesome a guy is one week, and then the next week, yeah, they're gone. Forever. So here is the best of the Sheriff of Nottingham. Carson, I trust you justify your intrusion with news of profound value. Loxley! I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon! Why a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe? Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. Now sew. And keep the stitches small. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. So guys, patrols have found nothing, sire. No camp, nothing. Hooded viper simply slithers into the forest. You, Myram, 10.30 tonight. You, 10.45. Bring a friend. Well, at least I didn't use a spoon. <laughs> it's good steel. Recruit the beasts that share our God. Animals? From the north. You mean Celts? They drink the blood of their dead. Yoke their strength. Hired thugs. Brilliant. I'm as good as engaged. By what right do you keep me prisoner? You misunderstand my intentions. You've been brought here for your own protection. Protection from whom? From yourself. I had a very sad childhood. I'll tell you about it sometime. I never knew my parents. It's amazing I'm sane. 
Do you prefer pain or death? Death. Torturing. If you fail, I will personally remove your lying tongue. Overwhelmed with happiness. Thank you for asking. Yes, yes, come on. Make haste. Do you, Marion of the House of Dubois, take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? No! Yes, of course she does. Do you mind, Loxley? We've just been married. If I must, I will take you a piece at a time. No! I'll do the only taking today. Um, yeah, so uh, we also meet Mike McShane here of, uh, as Friar Tuck, the angry, drunken bigot. And we, we actually get to hear him like be really like pushy with uh, uh, Azim later on when, uh, you know that bit where he's like, because Allah loves wondrous variety to the little girl. Um, it stops in the regular edition. In the extended edition, Friar Tuck comes in and goes, get your heathen ways out of this innocent child. And he's basically, he's really laying into him. And, and uh, as he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh no, actually, no, he doesn't go, yeah, he goes, but isn't Allah the father of Abraham? You know, basically, this God that you're rejecting here, isn't he basically the same God as the one that you claim to love? Uh, to which, uh, for our tech, mind's going to, that's just the sort of thing a Muslim would say. And then runs off. Um, which is uh, kind of a good line, but I think ultimately it came down to them going, Let, "Let's not touch that one, shall we?" Well, <laughs> we'll just uh, yeah. we'll just leave it and let uh, you know. The, the, the fact is that in the regular version that most people have seen, um, Azim reaches out to a, a girl who otherwise would be uh, ill-educated as to the uh, complexities of other religions, and says, "Yep, yeah, there's there's other things out there, kid." Which is kind of when you got to get it before they become old and bigoted. Which was another really nice, wise Azim moment. Yeah. Like he just he had all of the the like he was the the old man guide that the movie needed to yeah. civilize everyone. <laughs> and he brings a lot of that dry humor that you were talking about as well. The the um, the sort of wry, sarcastic observations of what's going on around him quite frequently come from mm. him because they they would seem silly coming from any, anybody else. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if, if you had... Um, Although this does happen a couple of times, um, you get statements about freedom and, you know, throwing off the yoke of your oppressors coming out of the mouths of Americans to villages full of English people. <laughs> it sounds a little bit ridiculous. Does anyone else um, get the irony of this one? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it's the, the, the observations that as a, a foreigner to these shores and supposed to be a foreigner to these shores, he can get away with making the other people wouldn't because it's like you're supposed to have lived in this since you were born yeah but i mean i suppose that kind of does like culturally distance him from the people he's talking to i mean ultimately it could be that he's carry al west and extremely posh i can speak in a british accent um but uh the fact that he's american kind of puts him in a different like 
species almost to the the, the citizens of Nottingham. <laughs> He's totally an outsider, which kind of works with the character. And also, like, yeah, they were like, what do you know about the world? Which is kind of the, uh, you know, bigoted British um, take on Americans, which, of course, since we're talking to two of our smart American friends, is not at all what uh, most good-hearted smart <laughs> Americans are like. One and a half smart yeah. Americans. Ah. We're not too I mean, bad. I've lived here most of my life, but I am from the UK. Of course, yeah, actually, you do have some lineage. You can't give that so up. So could you play no. Robin Hood, maybe? I can't do the English accent, so I'd have to Costner. Neither could Costner. <laughs> so that's okay. Yeah. That's if fine, Costner yeah. can do it. Or indeed can't. And there's actually there's a bit in the uh, uh, interviews when Costner says, and my sidekick is uh, is uh, played by uh, Morgan Freeman, and uh, he's uh, actually he's a Moor. He's a uh, he's one of the uh, African people. We know Morgan Freeman is African. Yep. Yeah, okay. But he says like several times, my sidekick, my sidekick, and my sidekick. He's clearly not seen the film or got Azim's point of view on this one. That he very clearly says at one point, it would be more appropriate for me to travel here behind you as your slave rather than as your equal as w- which he clearly considers himself to be he's not beholden mm-hmm. to Robin at all he's not playing Robin to his Batman he's not his sidekick technically if anything he's this monkey on his back or uh, hang on let's just uh, rephrase that one because it's awful <laughs> um, oh my god Technically, if anything, he's uh, kind of a millstone around his neck. Like, right, I'm going to fulfill my vows when I choose. And uh, there's that bit where he goes, no man controls my destiny, especially not one who attacks downwind and stinks of garlic. Sorry, Frenchman, but yeah. Um, it would appear that they came from, you know, to Britain via France, and Robin said to the, uh, the French sailors, knock him on the head, take him back to France, here's some francs. Well, they'd have been Normans at that point, wouldn't they? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, basically, Azim, totally not a sidekick. And if Costner came out of the filming thinking he was his sidekick, he misinterpreted the work. Yeah. He's, he's more of a conscience yeah. than, or, than anything else. Or equal companion. Um, what's a good example? I suppose Rhodey to, uh, uh, to Tony Stark. You know, he's he's got different connections and he's doing his own thing, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll return it later. No, no I'm, I'm keeping this. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I wasn't asking. It's, uh, you know, Rhodey never considers himself subservient to Tony. So anyway, Sheriff kills his own cousin in a, a gruesome scene. I wonder why they killed Guy at this point. Was it just basically to show how evil the sheriff was? Yeah, I think we needed just a little bit more evil so, out of Alan Rickman. Yeah, maybe like so it's like, okay, right, you, you've been laughing at him, but he does genuinely have, like, evil designs. Yeah, at this point, because it's just before the actual um, the attack on the village, so you have to start being afraid of the sheriff and what he can do. And if he's a total buffoon the whole way through, he's not really a buffoon, but he seems like he's surrounded by so many inept people that he himself is incapable of getting one over on Robin. So I suppose this shows that he's absolutely ruthless. Cousin. Yeah. Cousin. We must be strong. Mm-hmm. Good steal. Well, just watching him just break down and cry in front of Alan Rickman. Just yeah. That, it was actually a little bit sad. Yeah. I, I tried, but I seem to be I out tried. of this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Bye-bye, everyone. 
such a fantastic <laughs> voice. Um, anyway, so then Maid Marion is going through Sherwood Forest with her maid, oh maid servant, gosh. and we we meet like was it much the Miller's son and David of Doncaster or Bull. We're doing like great little bit of like yeah, left one on the right, one on the right. A great little bit of shtick, and specifically Bull's got great, very dry delivery. Uh, is it dry delivery? It's good delivery. Yes, no. Yeah. Come with me on that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so long. That's not dry, is it? It was. No. That's wet. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's why we weren't coming with delivery. Speaking of moist, we immediately get to see Kevin Costner's pale ass. Oh my gosh! Oh, and I love that this my. seems to be the turning point for Maid Marian. This is this is her her decision time. Oh, oh, oh. Well, it's like that. Is okay. It? Okay. Well, there we go. Like two eggs and a hanky. Okay. See, I, oh no, they're not. They, well, maybe poached. <laughs> oh my goodness! I I always thought it was the fact that he makes the crack about taking a lady's advice. It was advice the crack. She'd said <laughs> that she'd said um, that he should take, take a bath, bath because yeah. he smelled, yes. and obviously. But that's because all of his disguises um, involve disguises involve rubbing himself all over with dung. That's true. <laughs> Hence, reeking um, Robin. But there's two <laughs> things. Two things about this scene. Firstly, the fact that Kevin Costner has clearly been sunbathing in California, wearing shorts. So he <laughs> is mostly. I was quite sunbathing tanned. in the Holy Land. Mostly quite tanned, apart from the pants area. And I mean English pants, not the, American pants. The poached eggs. Um, which doesn't work, because if it's he got tanned while he was in the Holy Land, surely the, the tan lines would be in slightly different places, because I really don't think they had boxer shorts in those days. Yeah, they no. did. It was an invention um, of Azim. He really is the smartest moor in the planet. Or if we're sticking with the whole he's an Englishman thing, he should be that relentlessly pale from head to foot. He should. He really ought to be. But the other thing is as well, I noticed this in the trailer, they show that scene or they show that shot, but they zoom in. You can see like right <laughs> close up the cleft. in the pool with no oh. clothes on. And in the film, you don't get to see it that close. It's like from, from way up this hill, she sees him and all it's like this little worm squiggling well, across Remember the pool. that 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 was a TV spot and they were just trying to like blow it up so that uh, everybody could see the uh, the, the cheeks. Yes, indeed. I think that was one of the major selling points. Question. Was this in the script? Did Kevin request it? Or was Kevin asked? <laughs> I did wonder about that, because didn't he get his arse out in Dances with Wolves as well? Dances with Arses. Is that? <laughs> I wonder if that's just something in all of his contracts. Now, I need my ass on the yes. screen my, my backside for at has least to be three visible. seconds. Waterworld. Good job they didn't put it in Man of Steel. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. forgot he was in that. I liked him in that even if his motives were all over the place. Um, as was he by the end. Anyway. <laughs> Ew. So Marion pervs on Robin's pale ass, And, it, and there are, there's like a good three seconds where she's just staring. She's like, <laughs> you know what? A lesser actress would not have sold this bit, but because Mary, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio is a, a true professional, she actually manages to make it kind of a tender scene. Might just be the Michael Kamen score and the slow zoom in at that point, but she seems to see a different side of him. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. 
But, uh, I mean, it's, it's punctuated by the nursemaid going, oh, oh, I say. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a turning point in the film. And, um, uh, yeah, the... This is then followed by the shooting amidst distraction thing, and uh, you know he, he he gets Wolf to he embarrasses and bullies a child. I, 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 uh. it, it was just it was a moment of you're such an asshole, yeah, but it's so charming. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> I loved it when you bullied that child and shattered his dreams, <laughs> <laughs> embarrassed him in front of a lady. God's sake! But no, because like, she she doesn't do it. I, she she distracts him in the nicest way possible, but I love the fact that she does distract him. And like the, the the fact that the guys behind him are actually um, shouting clearly improvised ways of distracting him. And then there's that little blow. Um, it's it's a it's a nice moment. And this actually is one of my favourite bits of the film because it is kind of like they take the pretense. Oh like, no, that's not really it. It's very innocent the whole thing. Like you know, there there there's these like sort of baldy lads in the forest. They're drinking beer, and they, you know, they live in a treehouse, an Ewok village, and sort of Robin's saying, "You know, these are my etchings." And um, <laughs> but Michael Kamen, come, Michael Kamen comes in with the um, "Everything I Do, I Do for You" type score. Like I think it's maybe it might be the first time. It's definitely the time first time he's actually properly leaned on it, and it's soft and it kind of plays along quite a bit. And it, you know, it's there's a lot of cheesecloth, especially when they're parting on the boat. But this, like all of this, sort of like Robin saying, "This is how we live," and you know, showing her his new ideals, and you know, I have changed, blah blah blah, and um, the. It's it's nice. It's it's kind of idyllic and it's it's naive, um, but it's got kind of a. Well, if this is Rob, you know, when I was uh, eleven, if if I was Robin Hood, this is exactly what I'd do. Type thing going on. Yeah, it's a. See, I'm not the I'm not the dick from when I was a kid that she likes to keep mm. bringing up. Oh, you were so mean. You burned my hair, and and that's that's not him anymore. Yeah. He's he's grown up from then. And um, that little bit when they sort of they they descend from the treetops is, is, is again nicely shot and uh, it's got kind of a tenderness to it and it's it's not too overblown. That might be it. There's a, a lighter touch maybe than with the rest of the film at this stage. Um, am I wrong? I mean, is this an overblown set of scenes? Could just be the score. Maybe it's like it's a slightly slower pace. There aren't any fights for a bit. <laughs> Really a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, clearly, this is the bit that they were like, "Why, right, all of you girlfriends who've just been sitting there going through all the sort of the fighting and the swashbuckling and the shouting and the we know we gave you Kevin and the racism and the, and the, the <laughs> hairiness and, and all of that. This is like the the softer bit, and obviously, this is the thing that kept everything I do, I do for you in the charts for twelve or so weeks. Let me, I'll just double check that, but um, it was a long time. Yeah. This, by the way, was one of the first singles I ever bought. In fact, it may have been the first single I ever bought. Oh, hang on. This, did a Christian Slater received a nomination for Worst Supporting Actor for his performance in this film and Mobsters at the Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> Kevin Costner won the Worst Actor by Arnold W. Razzie <laughs> for his performance as Robin Hood. So, yeah, but noticeably... Um, Alan Rickman nowhere near those uh, the Razzies. No, no. I I thought these scenes were really were really sweet. But watching it now, all I could do was flash back to 
Last Airbender and Jet and Katara, mm. and and it was, and then it, it it took a little bit away from it for for me because that was of course hilarious. <laughs> well, I just checked; it's but, sixteen consecutive weeks at number one in the UK singles chart. You couldn't get away from this in nineteen ninety one, and uh, and yeah, obviously that bit in uh, um, uh, uh, the Last Airbender totally inspired by this scene. Oh, absolutely. Um. I really like that episode with Jet, actually. It's good. I do, too. That was great. Nice way of sort of uh, challenging your assumptions about characters. Um, so, yeah, then there's the... Uh, um, he mentions his father's philandering. I'm going to go ahead and guess that because Robin's American and his brother, or his half-brother, Will Scarlet, is American, that Brown Blessed, contrary to all possibilities, is actually an American in disguise. Either that or Lady Loxley <laughs> and this peasant woman were both Americans. Probably. Yeah. Uh, and then there's that Caesarean birth, as I said uh, before. And actually, Caesareans are really um, common these days. I think there's like 24% of all uh, births are uh, Caesarean in, uh, in like 2015 now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's used very frequently when it's going to be more dangerous for the child to be born um, as standard. Uh, Sharon, yours was a cesarean, wasn't it? Like, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was, it wasn't um, pre-planned. Mm. We'd um, we'd been going for uh, straightforward, and then at some yeah. point they went, "This isn't all that straightforward." Yeah. So C-section. But way back in the day, uh, they were basically for yeah, this isn't working, and mm-hmm. um, it was for when the mother was not going to survive. So mm. the the scenario that they're facing there is. Um, I think basically what they were trying to do was suggest, hey, not all Brits know everything about medicine in this case, and ultimately Azim can bring in some of his worldly wisdom. Uh, but Good it, lo- at this point, the best we were doing was willow bark for headaches and yeah. quite possibly poisonous things for other things. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodletting, leeches. Yeah. 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 But it's a, it's, a, it's a nice scene, and uh, it, it finishes with that kind of... Well, it, it's a kind of a unifying scene as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so it sort of finishes with the, the dance, and then Will Scholar going, May I have this dance? And Kevin Costa pretty much goes, Ata! And like, you know, shoves him away from <laughs> Marion because he's like, My boobs! Um, and Marion goes, Ooh, I loved it when you pushed away Will Scarlet. You're such a bully, Robbie. <laughs> You've learned so much and changed so much. Yes, shame another child for me. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it's so hot. So do it again. Let's go and kick that kid over. <laughs> set him up, set his pants on fire. It's great. Okay. Um, so yeah, the uh, um, uh, the the river farewell, lovely little moment, and the, the music rises up. It's again, yeah, like sort of a culmination of that scene. This is immediately followed by um, a bit in the extended version where the sheriff tries to bribe the barons. You see them later on at the execution, and basically there's just a bunch of guys standing around in white white robes going, praying to whoever. And he sort of runs around and like puts purses in front of them, and they go, what's this? And he goes, uh, appetizer. And then basically, like gets a map and says, right, you can have Scotland, you can have Doncaster, you can have Cornwall, <laughs> and all of Wales, you can have, that's fine. And um, they say, how are you going to do this? And he sort of brings in sven Olly Thorson-looking guy, the, the Celt leader, who sort of turns up again later, uh, and says, look, I've got Celts, hired thugs. And this guy basically takes a log from the fire and burns his hand with it. 
And then so like, the sheriff's talking to these barons, and behind him, he's being upstaged by this this burly guy who's going, "Ooh ha, my hand!" And it's, <laughs> it's such a weird, awkward moment of like, the, like they're taking away all threat of the sheriff, but at the same time, kind of explaining how he's trying to div- divvy up England. But it's, it, like you didn't need it, but it's kind of funny to actually watch in the uh, the, the later version. <laughs> But um, it's rare that Rickman gets upstaged. <sighs> anyway, so the Woodland Warfare section where... Oh, there's that really, like, gr- grimy bit where Marion gets, um, like, uh, taken in by the, uh, the the Norman guards. The, the, the line they cut was, like, when the guard grabs her, like, she immediately throws dust in his eye or something like that. Mm-hmm. In the extended version, he goes... I've never seen the breasts of a noble woman before. Oh no, that's in there. Oh, is that's it? in the regular version yep. as well. Uh, yes. You know what? I'm. Uh, I think I probably took it out because um, on TV they would have taken that out, and so uh, my my head would probably have been the TV cut would have been the most fresh. So like you know, there, there's bits where uh, they yell out bollocks, and if you toss pots, want to go through Sherwood Forest, which they took out on the BBC mm-hmm. version because it was back in the day when they would cut out all the meaty bits. Aww. So nothing rude, nothing violent. Uh, we just watched, it was Trumpton, basically, all day long. Um, by the way, Google Trumpton, and you'll understand what I'm talking about there. Cam- yeah. Camberwick uh, Green, if you will. Um, or Pigeon Street. That was basically what our f- f- films were. So, you, you know, even Die Hard, they reduced to that. Um, so, oh. so, yeah, there's, there's the whole woodland warfare bit, which, um, you know, just usual... Watch out for that one stunt man with like a, a domino mask type, um, like like bit of face paint on him, because he gets killed like six times. Like, they only had one guy who could get hit with an arrow and fall off a horse, and they used him to his full effect. Well, you also have the stealth catapults in this section. Oh yeah, do they have night arrows? Well, yeah, they, they fire day arrows, which are the arrows that are on fire. But they also, the the, people, the men of Sherwood are fighting back with night arrows. But yeah, how did they sneak multiple catapults through the forest without anybody of their any of the sentries noting, noticing? That yes. is a like, good question. Like, so far, they've been very, you know, alert whenever anybody comes through the forest. They're shooting arrows down in their camp. They were asleep. As the warning arrow. I was asleep at the time. And there's no one on guard. At all. They noticed Duncan from like a mile away yeah. on a yeah. single horseback, but the giant thing of Celts and you know, freaking catapults. No, we don't. We don't okay. notice that. Yeah, we don't notice the flaming pikes or any you know the flaming torches or anything. Speaking of lookouts, um, the uh, the guy spots Duncan, fires an arrow down, and someone yells out, "It's the warning arrow!" And the guy yells, "It's okay, it's Duncan!" And then the guy from the lookout sort of yells as, again. Why bother with warning arrows at all? If the moment the warning arrow is going to turn up, someone will yell, "It's the warning arrow!" <laughs> and basically, it's, it's the warning arrow. Everyone should go and be very, very quiet. Surely, you should acknowledge if it were the my warning camp, arrow. You don't shout, yes. "It's the warning arrow!" Because you may as well just go, "Robin, it's a thing from the trees. <laughs> it's quicker." Again. If it was my camp, I'd, my sentries would be more than, you know, in the village watching from a tree. They'd be a little further out shooting arrows yeah. back. Also, why didn't, like, people try to get through Sherwood Forest at night? Since they clearly sleep at night and work you know? all day, they're also lumberjacks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
That explains some of the shirts. At what time did the Merry Men knock oh. off? It's <laughs> like a nine to five kind of gig. Like, oh, I don't think Robin could afford overtime. Yeah. Although, actually, no. no although, you know what, with three million, million, he really <laughs> could. Where are they buying stuff from? Yeah. Who's their fence? How are they getting I mean, with, food? With all of their currency, you'd think it would just kind of be a, a moot point. Yeah. All the currency is in one spot. Also, the sheriff like gets hired thugs, right? But he also right. has a bunch of people with siege engines. And, like, why didn't he send Wait. those guards in ages ago? <laughs> There's only, like, maybe, 30 merry men. Maybe they were brought down. Maybe they were imported with... <laughs> Along with the Celts. Yes, maybe they came exactly. with... Was maybe he trying the Celts, to combine like, shipping? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he had to get his order cancelled. Like, you've got to sure. get it up to $90. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe the Celts just brought the siege engines with them. Maybe they did. With all of their horses, I don't know yep. how you would. And they're woed. On the on yes. the note of early warning systems, we know they know how to use ropes. We know they know how to use wind chimes. Why haven't we just combined the two for an early warning system tripwire? That's a much better <laughs> than having the one guy with his arrow shooting Ooh. back at you. Or also booby traps. They should have been falling into like pits full of punji sticks. Yeah, they clearly know how to like dig pits and hide them very well. Yeah. And no, none of that. Just just, just completely apparently... punked and taken by surprise. Like, apparently, Robin knows. One... Oh, go ahead, Megan. I, I think maybe just like the one clever guy died or got killed or gave up and just was like, you know what, screw it. You guys can deal with this yourself. Speaking of clever, it, we said Azim's the smartest guy in the world. That's the smartest yes. horse in the world. He has a blind man on him and he walks all the way to the <laughs> hidden camp at night. Yeah, he knows exactly where he's going. That is one smart mm. horse. Apparently also via Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> <laughs> Took a 400 mile there and back detour. <laughs> Just follow the wall. Eventually, you'll get to the sea. Right to the forest. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the sh- we've got to wrap this one up. It's ridiculously long now. <laughs> so the sheriff makes a threat to Maid Marion. He basically says, in not so many words, if you don't marry me, I'm going to kill a bunch of children. And you want that on your <laughs> conscience? And she says, ew, God, no. Yeah, okay, I'll marry you. Pretty much that's the conversation. <laughs> And he brings in all the children to stare her down, yeah. too. What a beautiful child. Maybe I, if I, she hadn't... I'll tell you about it sometime. Maybe if she hadn't given up her knife, she could have just stabbed the sheriff then. Yeah. Exactly. That knife's going all over the place. The, he, the sheriff gives it to her, she gives it to Robin. Robin references at least once before he uses it again at the end. Um, and it's... Yeah, it's, it's a sort of like he gets stabbed with 17 inches of irony. He's like, oh my <laughs> goodness me! I mean, you've got to appreciate the irony of this to Marion as he's dying. Um, so yeah, uh, he, he goes that little uh, thing, and then in the extended edition, he does a Scrooge McDuck, because he's got all his money back, and he dives into it! <laughs> And just, like, pours his way along the table. And then he finds out that there's a little hole in the wall. And then he runs back to Mortiana and says, You've been spying on me! Why? And um, she basically says, Um, I birthed you in this castle, found a baby, killed it, and replaced it with you so that you might live and be noble. And But, you know, you are disgusted with me. You are me. And it's like, I wonder why they took that out. (laughs) Huh. 
Um, so, That's... so yeah, she's his birth mother, as it turns out, and um, and she's totally gonna just sit there and watch him bang his new wife. Yes, on the floor. Get out of here. Which is it, it, it? That whole thing got very weird. Well, and his two <laughs> girls from earlier, and the don't who said you could cover up girls. So he's she's just been watching the entire That's time. My special boy. <laughs> yeah, she is a creep and a half. But I mean, even if she's like his like adopted mother, that's still creepy as all hell. It's still creepy. Yeah, it's creepy in every every possible light. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's supposed to be, but uh, but the sheriff's really taken aback by that because he believed he was genuinely of noble blood. But uh, she's uh, yeah, basically from the sounds of it, he's like, oh, I must have a child of royal blood on my line. Then we shall see who is the freak. And it's like, wow, this was written. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 yeah, um, I kind of like the fact that it's in there because it kind of explains a bit more about what Mortiana's doing, and uh, you know, it's it's all this Game of Thrones stuff going on again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Game of Thrones, Robin does his blind beggar routine from the uh, beautiful, charming, wonderful Disney film uh, with uh, the uh, you know where he's basically playing arms for the poor. When I think when he's um. Uh, earlier, when he sort of uh, says to Marion, like he's in disguise in the church, you know, spare a couple for a blind man. And then uh, later on here, when he's uh, rubbing himself all over with dung again, mm, we're starting to <laughs> start to wonder about you, Kev. Um, the the um, uh, he, he basically, when the guy sort of st- bumps into him, and goes, "Oh my God, you stink." Um, he's like, oh, oh, spare a couple for a blind man. He's, he's going on with the whole, you know, I'm a blind man routine, and. Get, going back to that thing about there being a character called Nazir in it until he was informed that that was actually a character created for a TV in a pre-existing TV show but not part of the original legend it seems apparent that most of the research for this was just watching movies <laughs> <laughs> that's all the historical accuracy you need and the Errol Flynn Adventures of Robin Hood of course so it was, uh, the, heaven, no, it was Basil Rathbone as well as the uh, I think it was the sheriff and uh, as um Specifically, that had Bob Anderson uh, choreography for the sword play, as same as with uh, Lord of the Rings and uh, Princess Bride and Mosca Zorro. This, the oh. sword play is sort of like, they're hacking at each other. They're practically chopping wood. Um, <laughs> they are very big swords they've got yeah. at the end, though. There's no art to it. They're just like Not really. flailing. In fact, there's, there's a line in um, the Prince Caspian book where... Um, it's when Trumpkin and Peter, I think it is, or no, Trumpkin and Edmund are having a sword fight on the beach. And C.S. Lewis says, this was not the silly broadsword fighting that you often see done on stage. Whenever I watch this film, this is exactly what I think of as the silly broadsword <laughs> fighting that you see on stage. Yeah. The... The infiltration with the the ropes and the dung and the leprosy and the, the, the intricacy of this plan is great fun. Actually, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, did we miss the part? We did. Where where Will comes out and says, I'm your brother. Yeah. And you, this actually your follows, father cast out my mother. Yeah. The, the bit when he's talking to him in the uh, the film where he's like, you know, if you fail, if you yeah, if you fail me, I will personally remove your lying tongue. That's a much longer scene where the sheriff's doing a lot more sort of uh, hilarious torture. And it's like... What do you want? Death or torture? Death. Torture <laughs> him. Or death. What do you want? Death or torture? Uh, torture. Torture him. See? It doesn't matter. And um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really bad taste. 
And uh, then he's sort of like, you know, jumping around, like hamming it up. And then he, he does his little chat with uh, um, uh, Will Scholar and then says, also, give him the lash. Sorry, it'll just look more realistic. And that's why Will's got those marks all over him afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we, we get to, to the, this incredible moment of Will Scott. Anyone else want to describe this one? Because I don't want to hog this whole thing like Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> Ian? No, I'll let you. <laughs> Go for it. Honestly, I thought the whole thing was hilarious. He's just so complete. It, it, it was almost the side comment. Oh, my dad took a took this other lover, and I was so mad because I was twelve. I'm like, no, you're mad because you're kind of a selfish little prick. This <laughs> <laughs> is but but okay, fine. You were twelve. We'll let you have a little bit of leeway. And then Will goes, oh, it's all your fault. You you cast out my brother, and 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 because you you just wanted to have your dad all to yourself. But then you didn't even like him afterwards, and it was. It was all very, very sad. But he takes it really well. He's like, oh, yay, I have a brother. Awesome. <laughs> and it's, You're not getting it, Robin. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't understand. You don't seem to understand. He's really pissed. Yeah. And, and you have From emotionally – you are, you are the cause of his you know, emotional scarring. But he's and just like, oh, cool. I have a brother. Awesome. <laughs> and then it's Let's, just dropped off I'll get out. of the movie. Yeah. Let's <laughs> never go back to that, shall we? We've, we've clipped yeah. that one up. You were to use this news to get close to me and then kill me, right, Will? What are your intentions? Well, that depends on you, Luxley. I've never trusted you, that's no secret. What I want to know is, are you going to finish what you've started? I want to know if he's going to turn and run like the spoiled little rich boy I always took him for. Did I wrong you in another life, Will Scarlet? Where does this intolerable hatred for me come from? From knowing that our... our father loved you more than me. Our father? We're your brothers, Robin of Luxley. I am the son of the woman who replaced your dead mother for a time. It was your anger that drove them apart. It's not a lie. You ruined my life. I have more reason to hate you than anyone. But I found myself daring to believe in you. What I want to know, brother, is will you stay with us and finish what you've started? I have a brother. I have a brother. I will make my stand with you, side by side, to the end. the end we're all bloody end daft buggers we finished this 
Um, uh, and now we we also have Morgan Freeman showing the British how to use gunpowder. Secret is in the black powder. Yeah, yes. I learned this in China, also from Saruman. And they, <laughs> but that that scene when he's he, it's one of my favorite delivered lines on Costner's to 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 Will. He goes, "Did I wrong you in another life, Will Scarlet?" Where does this intolerable hatred of me come from? It's just, it's like not a, a shred of, wow, there's a hammy line about it. it, it um, and, uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's just sort of matched pound for pound by Christian Slater. I have more reason to hate you than any man alive. And yet I find myself believing in you. What I want to know Good is, Lord. will you finish wow. started? You do that really well. I know, because I <laughs> burned it to my brain. Um, but, but it's, it's like, I kind of like it because they're both so dramatic about it. And then Robin's like, oh, let's just be mates, shall we? (laughs) And the thing is, is there in the world a more childish and ridiculous line than, you ruined my life! (laughs) I wish I'd never been born! (laughs) It was was really sad. Like, I'm not really sure what they wanted us to feel out of that. Like... <laughs> or what it added to the movie? Well, no. It, it gives Robin more connection because his family's been murdered and now he feels like he's got a bit more family. And also it gives him someone else to really care about during the execution scene. So when That's Will true. gets captured and then he's like, well, he's got this great kind of, well, you, it seems there is no more rope. And he's got a, I, I really like Christian Slater in this. He's got a great kind of like, hey, fuck you attitude going on the whole way. He does. And, He's just full of sass. Yeah, and, and then they uh, um, lo- lock him down to that that barrel full of gunpowder, and and Azim pretty much goes, "Because <laughs> <laughs> our plan." And uh, there was that bit where like the the, the executioner really getting into it goes, "There's always room for one more," and gauzes on his ear. And I thought to myself, "Ew, how do that effect? Like, did they like put it some like special white glue stuff in his mouth? No, he just gobbed on him because he." <laughs> I get to spit on Christian Slater today. That's the best highlight of my week. And then, and how many people I, get to say that? I'd probably really enjoy that too. Yeah, and <laughs> but, but then, like Wolf, when he's like, he's they're they're, they're hanging a child, and Wolf uh, is like, you know, he's looking up yeah. with this sort of beautiful, perfectly coiffed '90s hair, with these sort of sad little boy eyes, and then they kick the barrel out from under him, and he starts to strangulate, and it's like, oh my god, they're going to kill a child. So, the, how did he not get included in the other children that were saved in? Was he? He's like, oh, you're twelve. You're probably just a bit too old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you fit the description of that little shit who was pissing off my cousin. You killed your cousin. Yes, but blood is thicker than water. Guy found that out, much to his chagrin. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why he's the Joker, but <laughs> but um, yeah, the oh god, <laughs> this film is so silly. <laughs> So, yeah, the, do you know all of this ridiculousness? When I saw Braveheart, for some reason I was expecting a similar kind of breakout moment. <laughs> Anyone ever seen Braveheart? Yes. There's an execution at the end. Let me tell you, does not go well for the person, no. for the person being executed. And, um, yeah, I was really honestly expecting there to be a sort of a big, brave, um, sort of like, let's break him out of here type thing. Because this film is misleading in terms of history. <laughs> As is, you know, the, uh, the British Revolution of 1192 started by Azim. <laughs> <laughs> the 
I'd be fighting against the tyrant who would hold you under his boot. It's a great speech. But, um, yeah, it's then immediately followed by that bit where um, I think uh, Robin's standing in front of the uh, the, the barrel and like, then like, Azim fires a, uh, an arrow into it and then it explodes right behind him. And it's like it's the biggest explosion you're going to get in a Robin Hood film, basically. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, there's that... Dun, 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 dun. He's going to chop off Will Scarlet's head. And Robin plucks a chicken from the ground and goes... Rrrr! And fires it. No, sorry. Wrong film. Wrong film. But that bit when he fires the the day arrow directly into um the the, the executioner's I think it's face. It goes in his face. Yeah. It's that kind of moment. That's totally badass. That's better than anything Legolas ever did. Just that moment. It was pretty great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, also pay close attention next time you watch it folks when Wolf gets freed and then goes to his dad for a little hug <laughs> hello my lover um, little John makes a Chewbacca noise he hugs him and goes <laughs> <laughs> just listen out for it he goes father <laughs> just, just next time you watch take note use a dictaphone um <sighs> Then we, get, we have to go back and watch this. Also pay close attention when they're being launched with the catapult to what Morgan Freeman does oh with this scimitar. God. He's like, right, I'm going to put this scimitar in its... Sh- it, I am not wearing a sheath. Okay, I'm going to hold it downwards because I, I kind of got to right now. Then it's up, then it's back down again. <laughs> it's like, what, what am I going to... This just, it's, it's not really the most practical of things to take with me on this catapult. Although it was a very impressive... Like, of the weapons in the film, oh, yeah. he really did have the best... Oh, yeah. Best weapon. Totally. Best sword. It, 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 also, the fact he does such great things with it. Like, he slashes it oh. up. And then when he loses it at the end at Mortiana, it's just like, boom! That's, again, awesome. And um, oh, the bit with the uh, when they get launched over the wall. Oh, my gosh. They're so lucky. There's just giant piles of hay oh. everywhere. They are. They're lucky that, A... They didn't immediately splatter against the wall. They're lucky that B, they didn't go over the wall and then fall onto spikes. <laughs> or indeed, yeah. just the, the flagstones that would have been below. <sighs> or, you know, they're also lucky they didn't fall into a platoon of guards. Apparently, Christian Slater's uh, line there was ad-libbed. The, oh, fuck, he actually cleared it. What did he say in your version? <laughs> Oh fuck! They actually cleared. Because in the in the version we got on video in this country, he goes, "Name me." He cleared it. In, no, in the, he says fuck. In the director's cut that we just watched, he he says, and this is the only version I've ever seen where he actually says the full line, "Fuck me!" He cleared it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe they did launch Kevin Costner over a wall. He's <laughs> like, no, no, it's got to be done for realism. Yes. Anyway, so then there's <laughs> she is ripe. You must take her now. I will not take her now. For once in my life, I will have something pure. Will you stop interfering? Um, <laughs> it's the funniest. Which, most- with that as his mother, that makes it just all the better. Yeah. Mm, it's the funniest yeah. nearly rape scene ever? Question mark? It's like, <laughs> if you think about what's actually going on, like around the swashbuckling, it's like, ooh, is he going to take her? Is he? Ooh. Is he? Uh, mm, yeah, oh, it's a little. I feel terrible watching it now. <laughs> Although there is this absolutely classic moment where it, the camera just flashes up onto um, Marion's face and she just kind of 
rolls her eye. <laughs> Almost in a, dear God, you're pathetic kind of way. Do you take this man to be, no, Robin! Yes, of course she does. Yeah. <laughs> also, I really, I don't know forced marriage why, and forced rape at the same time. But I, I really, well, the two often go together. Especially um, in medieval I, times. I, there's something about her line, you may take this body, but it will not be me, it will not be me. I just, I, I don't know why, but I love the way that epitomises the character. She's great. Yeah. Even in that moment. Even though she does end up a blubbering girly in a white dress. that She does manage to get a few hits in. Like, it, like there's a bit when like, she rips a bit of his uh, hair out um, at, while he's fighting Costner. And then also there's one point where um, he goes, you know, I, take, I will take your life today. And Kevin, sorry, and Sheriff sneaks a sly kiss of Marion and says, I'll do the only taking there is today. And then she chucks hot candle wax on his nipples. <laughs> It's a great moment, again. It is a great moment. Also, though, just before that moment, when he's kind of backing into the window um, the window frame and she's stood up there, she's got, like, her fingers up like claws and a snarl on her face, like she's about <laughs> to pounce on him yeah. and rip his eyes out or something. So, I mean, yeah, to her credit, Master Antonio doesn't just stand in the corner and go, ah, the whole time. She's really fierce with it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think she hurts him Almost as much as, if not possibly more, than he hurts her. Yeah, I would say that's mm. that's her. I would have liked to see her take a, a larger role in that end fight scene, even if she'd she'd actually gotten to kill him. That would have been. Do you know what? She incredibly satisfying. She should have. Basically, somehow that dagger that Robin was uh, using uh, should have ended up. Um, like I've fallen on the floor and basically uh, when he's just about to uh, kill Robin, she leaps up behind him and stabs him through the heart from behind. That would have been great. Yes. That would have been fantastic. You would have felt like you'd been double teamed, but at the same time, yeah. No, but it would have been like nice to, to see her get that moment of, you know, he he almost raped me on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since he did give her the dagger. That would have just the irony. The sweet irony. It seems I have penetrated you. She should have said at that point. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, then that's the end. Uh, rape averted. <laughs> although, for, it would appear marriage not averted. Although, if you kill the bishop afterwards, does it not count? <laughs> there was no witnesses. They're all dead. Yeah. And they were all... He didn't join to watch Friar Tuck push the other guy out the window with all of his gold. Oh, you that was... It, you could have it annulled since they didn't have sex as well. Easy. True. Although, actually, th- this is like pre-Henry VIII, so I don't even know how serious they would have been about marriage at that point. Do you mind? We've just been married. <laughs> and he gets his super hammy death, and I just thought to myself, it's so good that he didn't die like this when he was Snape. Because <laughs> oh. imagine! <laughs> like, Harry comes in, and he, he, you know, he goes, this is Professor Snape, and he's going, ah, 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 sweet irony of it. Look at me. You have your mother's eyes. I'll do the only taking here tonight. <laughs> Sorry, I was having... Sorry, that's kind of useful. I was having an out-of-movie experience. Um... <laughs> Yeah.
Anyway, so uh, oh Robin and Marion get married, and and Friar Tuck. I, we haven't really talked about Mike Mache much, have we? He was great fun for his little bit, and he gets to sort of be this sort of beery. There's that great bit where like um, uh, he's you know do you yield, and he's sort of like beating him down, taking his cart. And then he goes, <laughs> I'd rather roast an L. And then starts biting Robin's leg. It's great fun. <laughs> I don't know why I'm just describing a scene, but just for me, that was it. That was, that was fantastic. Oh, it was no, I really enjoyed Yeah. He was one of my favorite characters when he wasn't being, you know, a complete asshole to a scene. Yeah. Th- this film was full of assholes. It's just. It was. That's, it, that's his name, sir. Major <laughs> Asshole. How many assholes have we got here? Yo, it's yeah. So I was having an out of Brooks. Yeah, no, it was it was the asshole variety hour. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it is. <sighs> so. With with Azim there to kind of temper it down, be like, "Hey guys, bring it, bring it back." <laughs> there's, uh, and then there's a bit where it's like any man who dares speak out against this blah 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 may first. I think at least like it's it's important that they get married at the end because a it happened to the Disney one and b. You don't want to leave people going, hang on, is she still technically married to that guy? Is she now the widow Marion? Um, <laughs> anyway, so and it was like, I was like, should any man, blah, 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 halt, I speak. And then Connery turns up and everyone like... Sean Connery, King of England. It's, it's the same as at the end of um, uh, Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn and everyone goes, oh, King Richard, he's so good. Uh, let's just spell this particular Robin Hood myth. King Richard sucked. He was yeah. awful. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's that. But then uh, then Friar Tuck breaks but- the fourth wall and uh, and talks directly to the audience. Cardinal Sin, or at least Monk Sin. I like that the first thing the king does when he returns from being imprisoned for years... <laughs> I must is dress up real nice and show up at a wedding. <laughs> In the middle of a forest. Uh, I, I, I came to your address. <laughs> One forest road, Sherwood Forest. <laughs> this incredibly yeah, fact- secret position. Yes. That's that just, that's I haven't crazy. had letters from you in forever because, you know, the sheriff and his bishop were intercepting all of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she was trying to warn him as well. But then there's that bit where the, the, the nurse gets clobbered and mm-hmm. as a result. But so, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it would it was have, like, hey, look at this. Look at this part of the horse over here. Oh, what is it? Oh, bam. It is long. Was... Oh, sorry. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> it is lovely to believe in, in a, a good King Richard and a bad Prince John who wants to be king. That's a great sort of like, you know, eternal story. Um, but, you know, in real life, most of the kings sucked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the production consultant on this one is Kevin Costner. And I just wondered what production oh. consultant means. Because <laughs> I, I think it kind <laughs> of just means he stuck his oar in a lot. And said, I think what Robin would like to do at this scene is get his ass out. <laughs> <laughs> For the ladies. For the ladies. Because basically, like, that gets you an extra fee. Because you're you're an actor and also a production consultant. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see what exactly he was consulting, I, consulting on. D- either way. Probably mostly about his ass. I look forward to the day when there's a Robin Hood film as much fun as this. Um, do you guys? Yeah, thinking through all of the, the the other kind of Robin Hood remakes between the Disney, 
the um, the BBC TV show. The Russell Crowe one. Right. The Russell right. Crowe one. The two lions become lambs. Hang on, let's, hang on, let's do it again. <laughs> rise and rise again until lions become lambs. I, I can't do an Australian accent. Hang on, how do I do this one? Oi, I'm an Australian. <laughs> also a Spaniard. Rise and rise again before lions come lambs. Become lambs. Sort of thing. I don't know. Australian enough for me. Yeah. Most Americans can't tell the difference, which is both exceptionally frustrating for both British and Australian people. Sorry. It's okay. You don't have to apologise for the entire country. I'm not making you apologise for Kevin Costner. <laughs> no, no. The Canadian I, government has apologised on many occasions for Brian Adams. <laughs> I would, on, on, on behalf of the entire country, like to apologise for Kevin Costner. So, yeah, I mean, you could do a great, fun Robin Hood movie these days. I think, ultimately, it ne- he needs to have a great foil. You know, like, whoever the little John is needs to be as good as Phil Harris, or whoever, whoever the Azim is needs to be as good as Morgan Freeman. I think also they need to be not worried about historical accuracy oh, because the, the, as much as we have mocked the shit out of this for the the, mm-hmm. the lack of accuracy in history and geography and all sorts of other things. There's a point, just to interrupt for two seconds regarding accuracy, there's a point mm-hmm. in the interviews when Kevin Costner gets asked by that po-faced guy, so how historically accurate is this film? And Costner basically answers, it's a great film. so moving on um and you know i just wanted to you know relate to the audience by it being a great film so anyway moving on a great uh, sorry carry on show historical accuracy well no i was just gonna say i think if they if they fixated on that too much you would end up with something that was incredibly bleak and awful because you know what back then things were incredibly bleak and awful rubbish yeah you know, life expectancy of 40-odd. Um, oh, there was something in the commentary about how they had, like, the, the lengths to which they went to be accurate. Apparently, back in those days, cows were small, right? They got small Not cows. far away, but small. So they, they kind of went out of their way to find small cows, it not occurring to them that then the cows would be all out of proportion with the humans, which were also smaller in those days, but you've got full-sized humans. So now you've basically got this scene which has unnecessarily small cows in it. Like anyone was going to be watching it and going, well, those cows are obviously too tall. Because if they are, they're also going, well, that Kevin Costner is obviously too tall. Gosh. Unless uh, we had all the trees shortened as well. <laughs> Everyone we stood insisted, in a pole for the duration. We insisted that Alan Rickman walk on his knees most of the time. And we had all the castles shortened, a.k.a. ruined for us. We, we paid huge amounts extra to the people who take care of these castles to ruin them for us. And when we got there, they were ruined duly as we had asked. This was recommended to us by our production consultant, Kevin Costner. (laughs) (laughs) Who also ruined Robin Hood. (laughs) In the best way. 
Oh, God. Oh. On that bombshell. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, all I'd suggest to Disney is uh, Robin Hood, do a King Arthur as well, then do a Beowulf, and then, I'm knitting my fingers together at this point, the British Legend Cinematic Universe. <laughs> right, so who else have we got for British Legends? Um, David Beckham? <laughs> Harry Potter? Good Lord. <laughs> An that argument be could be made for Harry Potter. Margaret Thatcher. Anyway. <laughs> so, okay, this has been our Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and also Robin Hood episode of School of Movies. Thank you all very much for, for coming on. Uh, Ian and uh, Megan, do you want to pimp your the show that you are associated with? I am one of the three people who run Year of Steam. It is a bi-weekly no, by month. Every two weeks, every two weeks on a Wednesday, because I don't, oh my I get my brain completely befuddled right now. A fortnightly, of, fortnightly. There we go. Oh. Of yeah. myself, Lauren Grieve, and Laura Kate Dale playing through our Steam catalog. We play two games and then kind of discuss our thoughts on them. Um, we're actually coming up on the end of the year, and we haven't decided we'll we'll be continuing or not. But we have a seventeen issue back catalog. If anyone's interested in checking that, it's Year of Steam on Podbean. Thank you very much. And Megan, do you want to mention the podcast you've been most recently associated with? People might not have heard of it. Oh, yeah. Um, most recently, I've been a part of New Century, done by the wonderfully talented Alex Shaw. <laughs> That's Lane. not what I meant. <laughs> oh, wait. Do I do other things? Yeah, no, no, I don't no, think I do anything else. No, no. That's exactly what I meant. Just not... Oh, okay. Just not buttering me up. Just talk about how good uh, uh, Tiger's Eye is. Uh, you know, the fact that I'm truly exceptionally talented, as Pierce Brosnan would say. <laughs> Seven Oscars on, and the rest is history. Uh, <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, it is incredibly fantastic. Um, excellent storyline if you enjoy science fiction, history, you know, just anthropomorphized life, animals, anthropomorphic anything. Yeah, no, it's just it's an excellent story. It's a uh, twisty, turny, very exciting. So definitely give that a listen. And Megan did fantastically well. And uh, like, you, have you acted much before that? Um, I've done more directing actually mm-hmm. than anything else. But um, let's see. It it hasn't been. I, I did a lot of improv through. My elementary and middle school. Um, have I done anything else, Ian? I don't really think it's... Not really. No. I only met you in college and you weren't oh. acting in college. No. No, my improv team kind of fell apart. And and we we all kind of went our separate ways. But Well, you should podcast more because you've been great on this show. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I don't... I don't know what I'd do. Awesome. Welcome anytime. Thank Yay. you guys so, so much for coming on. This was awesome. Thank you, Alex. And it's exactly what I wanted because I just wanted to be able to talk about this. I've been like thinking we should do Robin and Prince of Thieves for years now. But what are we <laughs> going to say about it? Oh, we'll just say it's awful. That's great. <laughs> it wasn't complete. I, I did go into it. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. This movie came out when I was, what, three? Jesus, Four? you're younger than I am I know, 88. Oh god! I was born in '87, so. Was your both yeah. spring chickens? Yeah. My brother was born in '81. So, well, he's old-ish. <laughs> so you haven't seen it since Brilliant. you were 
<laughs> I have I have not seen it since I was a kid. Oh, and when I was a kid, I mean, Alan Rickman was terrifying. So I went into this movie with like thinking it was slightly more serious than it was, and I was like, Ian, is this? Am I supposed to take this serious? How am I going to talk about this? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, good. I'm not supposed to take this seriously. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, you embarrass me, Kevin Costner. <laughs> and I actually, I, I've been calling him Dustin Hoffman for like a couple days. Mm-hmm. And and Ian didn't quite pick up on that. <laughs> so hang on, by accident I, or on purpose? Because he's No, no, by accident. I've been calling him Dustin oh, Hoffman. And <laughs> without any. And then Ian was like, no. No, that's that is not. That's most definitely not Dustin Hoffman. It's like, you better fix this before we have to go talk about it because that's not. <laughs> also, question for America, anyone out there. Uh, was this the only Robin Hood ever mullet? Um, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and yeah. slightly double chin. Oh. <laughs> okay, no, I've just one... looked up mullet Robin Hood and it's Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner. <laughs> ah, actually, technically, Jason Connery had a bit of a mullet. But he also had like some hair on the side, so it doesn't quite count. Uh, and then, mullet, Robin Hood, Jean Claude Van Damme in Hard Target. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, oh no! Actually, the original Robin of Sherwood. Look at that mullet. Jeez. Okay. Wait, yeah. That wait, would be wait. Michael Prade. Yeah. So, and actually, Guy of Gisborne's got a bit of a mullet, and uh, <gasps> yeah. Oh, but he's so pretty. You just let him have it. Michael Wincott. Oh, wait, no, no, I'm looking at I'm Guy so of pretty, you'd let me have it, would you? <laughs> I'm looking at Guy of Gisborne oh, from, um, from the BBC, and he's he's got, a, it's a little, it's a little p- party in the back, just a tad, but. It's Richard just, Armitage. It's Richard Armitage. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and on <laughs> that bombshell. <laughs> thank you guys very, very much, and we will see you all next week. Every town has its ups and downs. Some towns ups outnumber the downs, but not in Nottingham. I'm inclined to believe. If we weren't so down, we'd up and leave, we'd up and fly if we had wings for flying, can't you see the tears were crying, can't there be some happiness for me? Not in Nottingham. Before we go, another wonderful Robin Hood character, actor, died within 24 hours of Rickman, and that's Brian Bedford, who played the foxy Disney version from our childhoods. Lovely, lovely performance, and we will be covering that film in our Disney animated classic series with Daniel Floyd, which will be back very soon. And there's really only one song we can call upon to play out this particular tale of the hooded man.
Look into 